1,078 days, bro. Is that how many? I was going to count on my way up here. and I didn't count. Siri told me. Oh, okay. Like, well, that's a good idea. It's been over 1,000 days since we've had you on the pod, dude. So this podcast grew very rapidly after... Yeah, that was like 83, I think it was. Number 83. I was, it was 83. I think so, yeah. So it's been... And that was pre-COVID. Yeah, it was... So it had um, to have been 2019? It was, it was June 24th... July 24th, 2019. Dang, that was like kind of right before COVID, huh? Yeah, dude. Right before fucking... <laughs> that was the uh, the last universe that we were in. Yeah. That was the end of that universe. And now we're in a new universe. So this one here... This cool new universe. You like you it, built, dude? It's pretty rad, yeah. <laughs> I mean, downstairs was cool. Yeah. But this uh, this little nook you built up here Thank upstairs you, is, is very, very cool. Thank you. Mickey, I'm glad to have you back, dude. Thanks. Thanks for making the drive, man. Dude, I'm pumped to have you know this be my second opportunity to to, to kind of tell my story or reiterate my story. Yeah. And, and uh, also our relationship. So Hell yeah, cool. bro. Thank you, Mickey. Yeah, no yeah, so when you came that last time, like we've met each other before, but we really didn't have that much of a relationship no just a basically like a i would say like a work relationship yeah. so you know we we're buying bolts or you were sponsoring bolts for a lot of our builds and stuff so that was kind of the extent of it so we just a small talk really yeah a thousand days later dude <laughs> here we are at our <laughs> dude i would say like you know and we'll get into this i'm sure in the pod but you were like one of i think three people that actually uh, were my sounding board for what's now the freak, which is we're just talking about that, which is the throttle 1999 Honda Civic rear wheel drive converted uh, hatchback. Yeah. And so I think we may have touched on it in the first pod. I don't remember that I that was like kind of a, a dream project well, when for the, me. I, I was looking back at your socials, and that was uh, late August when you first posted up the car yeah so, so it was even it. yeah so it was just maybe a month after we did the podcast and i had been sitting on that project in my head for like 10 years really well basically since the ep3 came out mm. so yeah i mean it man cool project but man thank you for the inspiration and and basically what i was looking for from you was basically a pat on the back <laughs> saying just do it <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a cool idea. You should do it. Yeah. And that's all I wanted from you. But you were su- such a good sounding board for me. You, Ryan from Rywire, um, and a couple other you know close industry friends that that I admire and respect. Uh, you know, all said the same thing. You need to build that. That's cool. Yeah. So we did. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you did, bro. And uh, I'm honored that you were to ask me your opinion, bro. I appreciate that. Hey, you're a tastemaker in the scene, brother. I try to be, you know, some people don't like the taste, but a lot of people don't like my taste either. <laughs> How many people tell me to stop with the fluoro yellow already? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, right. No, I feel you. But sometimes like you get just so deep into it that like you just, it's just, it's just day to day. You it's really life. don't see. Yeah. It's, it's just life. So like, I really don't see much of the, the influence that we do have in, in my head. I kind of do, but then sometimes I'm like, I don't know if that's my it, ego. It's so close to you that you don't really see how far reach you actually have. If if I do, you know, yeah. Um, like say like, like the spike thing, 
right the way that i see that dude is when we first came in like we started selling the spikes and we're selling them on forums dude like <laughs> nobody's doing that shit you know nope um and then like i start to see it get more popular more popular and then it starts to get on all, all these cars and there's like there's like a time where the spikes are so crazy and then so much stuff starts coming off off of that yeah like uh, other companies are making spikes ebay's making Dude. spikes now it comes to spike wheels and then trucks yeah. you know the trucks have and then and then you pioneered that stuff in <laughs> my in my ego head I'm like, yeah, I did that. You know, but then I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe hey, somebody else was it, doing it. It's okay to take recognition for something like that, man. I, that is, um, you know, it wasn't my taste. I never yeah, sure. I never did the spikes. Um, but I'd be a fool if I sat here and told you I didn't see it happen. And yeah. I didn't see you start it. And I didn't see it take off on every other platform selling spiked studs for for bolts and nuts. Like, yeah. it, it became a huge thing. Yeah. And that's, you know, kudos to you for that and sticking with it. I mean, those are the kind of those things that you really don't know if you did have like a huge influence on it. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes like for me as a, as a creator, like I would just like that sort of recognition. Everybody just make your money. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what you guys do. <laughs> it's all good. You know, hey, everything gets knocked off at some point, right? For sure. But if one of these companies that knocked us off or to take me or take me in the side and be like, hey, you're you're really my inspiration between i'll be like i'll give him a hug like, hey it's all good bro that's all i fucking want dude you're yeah. never gonna get that brother you're never gonna get that as so, much as i would like for that to happen for you let's hug it out we'll just hug it out bro nah <laughs> it's not gonna happen but then i'll see some something like that and you know you'll see like those, those small things happening you're like hmm i wonder if that was like inspired you know sometimes i'll think about like podcasting stuff too like hmm, that's kind of interesting but then uh frank your ego's getting uh, ahead of you sometimes. i think we live in that same world with the youtube stuff that we do like for you sure know, uh, thumbnails and uh you know things that we we put in the videos i think we're all inspired by something yeah you're a fool if you don't if you think you're just this creator that's not inspired by anything yeah there are random things i see on a daily basis that have no real meaning to me but it's something that i may see or notice and that's cool um how can i put that or use that that creativity towards what we're doing sure. in the youtube space or on instagram or in a car build or something like that so like i saw your uh you know your lower control arms that you're doing for the i think it's the eg and ek yeah, platform yeah, yeah, yeah. da's with the nut as the yeah you know, the 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 fastener area for the the lower control arm those things to me, that's like cool. And that's something that, you know, encompasses what you're doing here as a business. You're carrying that over. And that's something that's probably going to catch on. Somebody's going to knock that. Yeah. Off. <laughs> well, we'll see, man. But it's like when I get inspired, I like to kind of like paint the picture of what inspired me to do this. It was something from, you know, skateboarding culture that inspired me to do this. Or this podcast studio was inspired by like, you know, I, I wanted it to be like a, like a, like a comedy uh like a comedy place <laughs> you did you nailed it because this reminds <laughs> you of the comedy story <laughs> exactly that's what i wanted it to feel like you know and you get those inspirations but then i think a, a lot of time it is just the ego from the other side. i didn't copy you i've been doing this <laughs> and that's that was the thing with the with the spikes it was like oh so you've been doing it longer than semis i'm like no but this is not we're not building well, yeah. semis over so you here, took dude. your inspiration from maybe a semi truck that you saw For at a sure. truck stop or yeah. on the road 
and applied it to, to cars, which nobody was doing. Yeah. So, but all that shit's just... It's fair it's, game, dude. It's just ego, bro. That's it, dude. And I think the, the older that I that I get, the more I realize that how much ego had to, to take a part in a lot of the decisions that I made, like in shit, most of my 20s, for sure, <laughs> all of my teens, Yeah. you know? I think a lot of people outgrow the ego stuff as they age and, Hopefully. and have have accomplishments and stuff like that. I think, uh, you know, I think we're all guilty of a little bit of ego tripping here and there. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes you just got to reel it back some, or you'll get humbled, you know? Yeah, that happens too. So, uh, <laughs> so you mentioned it, dude, the freak. Let's talk about it, man. Cause, uh, back then last pod, it didn't barely exist. started it. Yeah. You know, you had, you, I'm sure you I probably had, the chassis, had it at yeah. the time. Right. But it wasn't announced. And then fast forward to what, maybe two months ago or something, do you think? Uh, yeah, probably. That's when it really kind of uh, kind of kicked off content-wise. Is like finished, mm. I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah. But uh, any of you guys that have ever built cars know that they're never done, actually done. Yeah. Um, in the world that we live on YouTube, you know, things can be done because it kind of content runs its course or whatever. And then it's time to move on to something else that people want to see or something fresh uh i feel like the freak's gonna live for a while mm. um, i know it has a shelf life for sure but um the freak was you know a little baxter if you guys aren't familiar with throttle the the brand that um, i helped start um or the freak project it's basically a rear wheel drive ek civic that i've always loved the ek chassis and the look and all the bits that go with it like the wings and the mm. lips and mm -hmm. the spoilers and everything I think it's just like the perfect hatchback. Yeah. But the th one thing that always fell short for me was the drivetrain. Okay. And I, I'm a huge B series fan. If you're going to go front wheel drive, but I always wanted to do a K series rear wheel drive EK. Cause I thought it would be cool to be able to do donuts and burnouts and yeah. all the hood stuff that everybody does in their rear wheel drive cars in a civic. Cause I yeah. think it just fits the mold from a look standpoint. And so this was, as I mentioned earlier, an idea I had many, many, many years ago and I just never had the means to do it. Mm. Um, I didn't have the knowledge. Um, I didn't have the courage. I didn't have um, the fabrication skills. And I didn't have the budget. Um, a project like that, uh, you know, you can you can be into six figures real fast when you start handcrafting things from scratch and having to buy specialty parts and race parts to make mm. things work. And the nice thing was is it didn't cost that much because of the industry yeah we've got such a great industry around us especially in the sport compact uh area of our industry once people found out i was doing this everybody reached out man like you you reach out what bolts do you need bro yeah. i'm gonna send that your way um you know my buddy at jsp fab he's he's a big 886 corolla guy but he has a history in civics yeah and so he he was uh you know coming down and checking out the progress on the car and giving me his thoughts and ideas and i had random people stopping in now and now and again to help with like yo this is so sick i want to come put my two cents in and and i'm always open to that because sure. i think if you close your mind off to to others ideas and stuff you're really going to be in this tunnel and you're just going to build something that could be so much better if you just listen to uh everybody's yeah. ideas and so having really talented people around me and relationships that I've built over the past 20 years in this industry are really what created that car and created my ability to be able to make that car reality. Um, if I would have tried to build that car 10 years ago, I don't think I had the skill set for it. Mm. 
um, I learned so much from the drift car builders and race car builders that I worked with and alongside when I worked at Falcon back in like 2004 and five. Um, so just, you know, learning from them and building up this uh, ability to do the project. And I doubted myself a lot. Really? I really did. I mean, it doesn't come off on camera. I don't think too much, but there's a reason that the project took almost two years to do because one, we weren't working out a hundred percent of the time. We have other projects coming in and out of the shop and we have to keep the YouTube content fresh. So it can't be the main focus all the time. But the other part of it was me trying to figure out how to mount the rear differential. Mm. Uh, we went down, I think three different paths before we finally got to where we ended up, which yeah. is for, for now is the ideal solution, but in a month it might not be. So oh, okay. uh, one thing I learned from John at JSP fab was that when you create one off things, a lot of times it's not right. The first time you can look at it when you're done, you're like, Oh, I should have done this. I can go back and make this stronger. I can lighten it up here and, gotcha. and make it more, um, fortified in this way and so the rear end for example we went and did this versus that where we drag raced the car which it was never meant to be a drag racing car but to get it launched and we knew it was a great opportunity for exposure for the car to get it over on the hoonigans channel yeah they wanted us to come bring it for a drag race and so the car wasn't even done and we agreed to it we got it ready yeah got it up there and we literally ripped the diff out of the rear end we didn't know it till the car got back but the diff was hanging by two bolts by oh my the, god or, sorry four bolts by the time we got back oh, and it, it has four in the back and two in the front where the hosport mounts are that whole beam that carried the the rear end was snapped in half oh shit and so we literally got the car back from that race yeah where we learned a heap about the car you know what it was good at what it wasn't good at put it up on a lift and we were getting it ready to go to auto fest uh, with max boost and found that the rear end is about to fall out. <laughs> shit. So literally a Friday, we first thing in the morning, we saw the issues. And by the end of the day, Friday, we had it all re basically re-engineered. So and we ripped everything out and rebuilt the whole back end. So what was it that, that failed? It was all parts that we made. Mm. So, and that's the thing, like you're, I'm not an engineer. I didn't go to school for engineering. Um, I tend to overbuild things. So on this project, because we we're trying to keep the car so light, I tried to really rein myself in and build everything very purposeful and lightweight because mm -hmm. I wanted to keep the car under 2000 pounds. So in the materials I selected to build the carriers and stuff, we, we went with a, a lighter wall steel and, you know, one by one. And now we snapped that in half. So now we went to three by one mm. with an 11 gauge wall. Like we buffed everything up, made more support braces and brackets. And that's something you can only learn by failing. Yeah. Had it held together, we never would have touched it again, but we learned because it broke. And yeah. so now it's like, we took it to auto fest a couple weekends ago, at auto club speedway and took the car off for what it was meant for. And that's track driving. Um, and you know, aside from some tuning issues, uh, the car held up great. So all those changes we made were the fix. And now hopefully we don't have to go back and mess with those anymore. It'll be something else. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's the next, uh, what's the next place that you guys are going to be taking the car to? We don't have one yet. Um, I, I think probably grid life event is probably going to be oh, okay. uh, a target for us. Yeah. And so the car is pretty much ready. Uh, I do want to get it back on the dyno. It made uh it made a really modest, like just under 400 horsepower to the wheels. Um, and if you guys know your K-Series motors with 
we have a 3071R on there with big injectors and it's capable of 600 all day long probably. Um, but I'll be honest, like it made just shy of 400 and it is an absolute riot to drive. Like it weighs nothing. So it's like a go-kart. Is it still below 2000 pounds? It, it has not been on the scales yet, but if I bet my money on it, yes. Wow. Dude. Um, it is an absolute animal That's and a handful. Cooking. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Take everything you know about your front-wheel drive EK with 400 horsepower, 600 horsepower, whatever you're making, throw it out the window because you're driving totally different wheels. It's probably lighter, and you've got all these other things now in play that aren't in play in a front-wheel drive car. So it's a whole different animal and machine to um, you know to get behind and, and have fun. In. And so far, I'm absolutely enjoying it, and it's just such a unique project, and I'm honored and and super happy that I was able to actually complete it to the point it is now and drive it. Hell yeah, dude. It came out so good, man. I, I like how you went with uh, like the matte color and you just put a little gloss. Man, I got hated on for that. Really? Why is that? Because <laughs> you didn't build it how they wanted you to build it. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's something that, you know, when you're in the YouTube space as we are at Throttle, um, you're subjecting yourself to that. And, yeah, you know, you sure. do these pods, you go up on YouTube. I'm sure people have negative things to say, positive things to say, and you just take it as it goes but uh the the satin scheme I, I love dry carbon i love the look of dry carbon i think it's one of the most beautiful things when you can when you build a car um to have the carbon weave and, and it's dumbed down with the with the nice matte finish whether yeah. it's actual dry carbon or you're just laying a matte clear over it i think it's an awesome beautiful look so i wanted to integrate that into the car and most of the car is carbon the doors the roof the hatch the hood a lot of the stuff on the car is actually carbon. So in order to kind of keep the carbon exposed and blend it with the remainder of the car, I chose hot rod satin black mm. or uh, hot rod. Um, I'm sorry. It's not satin black. It's actually like um, just flat black. Gotcha. But it is an automotive application paint. Okay. Um, and then what we did was we went back and cleared the whole car with a matte clear so that the black matched the carbon clear wise. Oh, so it's gotcha. a matte clear over the entire car. Okay. So, I thought that treatment was really cool and I always knew the car was going to have a livery on it. So you probably remember back in the day that um, there was an Evo that was on the cover of one of the import magazines and it, uh, it was a blue Evo with white Sparco S's all over it. And mm. the, the front of the car was white and the Sparco S's just kind of like came off the white and it blended the white to the blue in okay. a really cool way. And Ken Block has actually done quite a bit of that with his uh, his rally liveries and stuff where he's blended um, color into other objects as the livery goes back. Oh, okay. So I always kind of knew what kind of livery I wanted. I love the One Make series Civic races over in Japan, and they all kind of have this really busy liveries on them, but they're all kind of similar in the way that they're shaped and lined out. And so I felt like if we made the car that satin black and then we threw the fluoro and then gloss black over top of it, the gloss black would be the catalyst that would kind of blend it all together. So that's why you see in the background of that car, if you look closely, it's a giant like 12 foot throttle logo mm -hmm. in gloss black that's laid on the side of the car. And that ties all of it together. Oh. And then the fluoros over that. Okay. And so if you look at it now, you don't really notice the carbon, but when the car first came out of paint, it was polarizing to people because they thought that was how it was going to be. Mm -hmm. They thought it was done. And in my head, I'm like, well, just trust the process. It's, yeah. It'll look cool when it's done. I promise you, 
but I'll be honest, I fell in love with it all black. Really? Out, it looked I good, it dude. So sick. Yeah, it looked good. But man, fifty percent of our audience hated it. Mm. So again, that car I was building for me. Yeah. Um, we do most of our builds are built for to appease the masses for sure but you can't appease everybody so. yeah so so speaking of that um had you guys even done any sort of honda builds or anything on throttle prior to that you know my uh my little white eg made some appearances early on when we first started throttle uh, and we were looking for content and stuff i did some like you know top 10 things i hate about my civic or gotcha. you know whatever and that was kind of the extent of of our honda content we really focused on Mostly Toyota and Nissan and then some Euro marks like BMW, Mercedes and stuff like that early on. So Got you. that was the first real deep dive into Honda stuff. So what was the uh, what was the response like after you debuted that that was going to be one of the projects coming up? Uh, you know, because our audience is so, I guess, well-rounded, um, you know, we've got everything from American muscle car guys to uh, Japanese guys, the truck guys that watch our channel. So I think it was met with a little resistance at first. Um, but I think once it started taking shape and we were talking about it and kind of laying the vision out, I think people started to get on board. And I mean, at the end of the day, like who doesn't like watching a race car get built, whether it's a civic or it's an Aston Martin or a Mercedes Benz or, yeah. you know, whatever it may be seeing like all the technology and all the cool things you get to do to a race car, the roll cage and, all that stuff, the fuel cell and how you accomplish, you know, getting the fuel from the outside of the car, the inside, there's all these little bits and bobs that you do to the car that is so intriguing. And it, it, it crosses over into all makes and models. It's not necessarily have to be a civic. Yeah. It could be a Nissan Sentra or it could be a Lamborghini. It could be whatever. Yeah. So that stuff applies to everything. And I think that's what makes it cool is like you just throw out the make out the window and just watch the work that's being done. And that's what intrigues me. And that's why I watch, I'm on this one channel now on YouTube. I'm watching this guy build like a, I don't even, I don't know my Dodges very well. Mm -hmm. I know the Hellcat motor mm -hmm. and I, I'm familiar with the motors, but some dude's building a, like a Magnum slash charger. Oh, okay. That he's you. blended. I know what you mean. Yeah. And like, I don't like those cars. I like wagons. So yeah. I think it's cool. That's what caught my eye was he was building a wagon and he was putting a Hellcat motor in it. So it means it's going to be a thousand horsepower probably, yeah. which is pretty cool. But then I got stuck on how he was doing the work. Mm. Oh, he's okay. How's he going to make this door? How's he going to make the rear door fit the Magnum rear end, the wagon rear end? Like none of that stuff lines up. Mm, okay. So I got hooked on the details. Gotcha. And I think that's what intrigues people about the freak yeah. is all the little details. And so we went, you know, off the deep end. If you look at the engine of that car and the engine bay and stuff, we like everything has been touched and re reshaped and like i think that's what people latched on to i like how you guys did the intercooler man because oh, the v mount it, yeah because yeah. it, it definitely took up some of the space that was going to be negative right there so if that yeah. wasn't there it would just like like the s2000 mm -hmm. or when people would do like a frs or something with the the k series or whatever there's like always a big empty space in the front big air gap yeah. which looks cool sometimes but it looks it looks cool how you guys utilize the the inner the, the whole v band setup and so that that comes from just our uh you know i was the only one that built this car so ricky was on it quinn was on it will was on it i was on it. evan was on it mm -hmm. sometimes too as well doing some of the fabrication stuff but like for me it was like if we're gonna do this outlandish rear wheel drive k-series motor turn sideways turbo manifold like it's gonna be busy 
let's do a V mount like an FD. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And so our most of our all of the guys in my shop all own rotary cars. And so they all have like a V mount in a certain fashion from the factory. They're oh, they're okay. flipped a little gotcha, differently. Gotcha. But the the radiators are laid back this way. Gotcha. And so rotaries run really hot. So basically when you do a V mount on a like an F D or something you're basically tunneling the the air through the front bumper and then the radiator is laid laid down at an angle instead of straight up where the air would normally pass this way now you lay it down the air goes in goes out the bottom of the car as long as you duct it properly and then you have your radiator sitting up top and that's where the name v-mount comes from because it's mm. shaped like a v mm-hmm. and then that air comes through and goes up so the air is going through and out the bottom through and up out the top of the hood and that's why the ventilation in the hood is so important on the freak because otherwise that air just gets trapped under the hood, creates a little pressure gotcha. and you're creating a lift, yeah. which you don't want. Yeah. So that's why for me, like creating that cool duct was so important because that air has to have somewhere to go. And it's also very cool looking. Yeah, so, it looks great, dude. That's from, uh, what was it, an Evo? That vent is actually off of an Evo 8 or 9 that I got through uh, RPG Carbon. Mm. He's one of our suppliers and he makes it for the Evos, but it's a very universal part. You can use it for anything. In fact, I've gotten so many DMs from followers that were like, dude, where'd that, I can't remember what you said in the video. Where did that vent come from? And I've started to see them pop up a lot more now. Oh, really? Builds, which is really cool. Like, yeah. I'm glad that I, you know, my vision for that, for that car is spinning off to other people's projects and stuff. It's really neat yeah. to see that. So. It's very uh, surprising that like this was the first Honda build and then there was so much pushback because maybe it's just because I'm so into the Honda community that I, I just I just know how the builds are, but I think that the the do you still feel like people have that uh that kind of stereotype about Honda builds? Because I can't see any other makes and models that are doing it better than Honda guys are, meaning from the top to bottom oh. addressing everything. Uh no, they are. I mean every I think every niche car build or every niche car brand, that's not even true. There's, it's not a, really a niche. I guess so you've got your pocket of guys that are building Nissan GTRs. Mm-hmm. That there's a, you know, a handful of guys that are, are doing you know, the, the deep dives and full restorations or full fab, mm-hmm. like full race car setups. Um, I think every popular car has its own little group or niche of people that are are doing it to that level do you feel like it's to the to the the amount as like honda guys are in some cases yeah i know there's there's a handful of, like i've i've gotten really involved in the uh the nissan community as of late um specifically r32 gtrs and stuff and there's a handful of guys that are out there doing um you know not just simple restoration stuff that anybody can do in their home garage they're doing full fab work um yeah. there's a guy out in texas called Leask spec um, if you guys own the GTR, you probably already have heard of him, but very talented fabricator, really humble dude, um, just built some amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he's someone that I take inspiration from. In fact, he was even very helpful in the freak build oh, because okay. it, he, he actually has an R32 GTR with a K series in it. Oh, nice. So uh, actually it's, it's not a GTR. It's a GTST, which is a rear wheel drive, um, R32. Gotcha. So we we also are doing an R32 rear wheel drive on our channel as well and we're using a rb20 which mm. is kind of like the redheaded stepchild of rbs but it was something we thought would be cool because it's kind of a throwaway motor and um they can make decent power so gotcha but stewart 
is building this rear wheel drive K series and he's using a DCT BMW transmission. So oh, wow. if you guys are into like really cool bills and really techie stuff, like his, his, um, his Instagram is, is a good spot to check some of that stuff out. And his fab work is beautiful. Very cool. You know what I would want to build, dude? What would you build? E30 K swap full M3 body. Dude, everything. It's a bolt in affair now. Is it? How much is the kit? I don't know. Hmm. I, I've, I I know it exists. Though. I think one time I looked at the kit and it was it was just very surprising how expensive it was, which makes sense because probably not a lot of people are doing it. it. Maybe because you're getting a an oil pan, you're getting an intake manifold, you're getting motor mounts, you're getting transmission mount, you're getting an adapter plate for the transmission. A lot of guys are using BMW uh, ZF trans, mm. and now um, people are making adapters, as I mentioned, for the. Um, paddle shift like the That's dct sick. paddle shifted transmissions out of the bmw like yeah. m3s and stuff so man it's the future case swaps are it i would put a case series in anything really like, i literally think it's bang for the buck i mean you can pick up the motors for 800 bucks mm-hmm. every part available out there like somebody makes you know thermostat housings and there's Everything, all all dude. the stuff to make it real drive is available now yeah like five years ago ten years ago if you weren't a talented Fabby, you probably weren't getting it done. Yeah. But now it's kind of like, if you plan and you have the budget, you could put one in anything so you, at this point. BMWs, uh, FRSs, mm-hmm. Miatas, mm-hmm. like those are pretty much already ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, S chassis. Oh, really? So Nissan, like S13, S14, S15. Yeah. A company called TF Works. They, mm. They're out in Chicago. A bunch of OG guys that come from the drift community. They've basically pioneered the case swap at this point for the s chassis dude this is my uh another one of my dream cars s14 red with the boss kit oh you like that boss i do that's mad mike's kit yeah (laughs) i love that kit dude when you're ready let me know i know i know the right people to talk to i don't know dude the boss the boss kit is not for everybody i i know so i like it though so when i see the boss kit on like a standard s14 Oh, I'm thinking the boss kit for the FD. That's mm. Mad Mike's kit. No, I'm thinking, so you're talking about, about the, the one S14 with, with no the, rear the brown headlights and with stuff. With the round headlights. That yeah. is an acquired taste. Yeah, I for don't, sure. For I don't sure. personally like it. Yeah. But when it's done right with a livery, it looks sick. I love but it. But I dude. think in single color, it's hard for that car to pull off that vintage look. Yeah. With the swoopy roof line. Yeah. And the swoopy tail lights, swoopy headlights if you don't do uh, Koki headlights. The early model has a really round headlight. Yeah. Or more round than the really uh, square rectangular ones that the late model had. So you're going to like this round old retro headlight. Yeah. I, or, or the other kit. I don't even know the name, but where you look at the car and everything is completely straight. So the bumpers and the, and the side skirts, they all match and mm-hmm. the car just looks like hella low. I don't know what kit or okay. what, whatever that is, but that kit's sick too. But I've always wanted S14. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be cool, man. I've got one in the fleet. Oh, shit. I'll trade you a hatch, dude. I got a hatch. You can build another Honda, bro. That's uh, content right there. An EG. Yeah, you can take it, bro. Mm-hmm. Take it right now. and Just pay me later. <laughs> but I loved it, dude. Don't tempt me. Uh, go ahead. Take it because my BMW is getting fucking dirty outside, and I just want to park oh. it in the garage. So if anybody wants to buy the heavy in the streets, EG, let me know. That's the I one. Keep, dude, I, keep I think going. we talked about that last we time. We did. I was oh, we should talk again, dude. We keep going back and forth, bro, because I'm just like, 
I have a D series swap and now you know gas is crazy and everything. I'm just like, well, why don't we do a build like where a it's a D series or not gas guzzler, anti gas guzzler? Exactly, and it's all street legal. Yeah, super. So my my idea was that I get pulled over and they pop the hood. I'll pop the hood and it's just like, all right, see you later. <laughs> and it's just all stuck <laughs> because like at this point I really don't care about you know speed or power or anything like that. Mostly, my motivation was always like cleanliness. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. But then I just start thinking about. I'm like, I just don't even want to build another car, another Honda. Yeah, you know, Honda. I get that. (laughs) I I totally get that. And I think that's like kind of what's refreshing about the Throttle YouTube channel and getting to work on the cars area. One, I get to go do something I love every day, which you and I are both fortunate in that. But uh, I'm not pigeonholed to any one. Yeah. category of car i mean we, right now we have a fj cruiser in the shop oh which shit it's <laughs> completely out in left field right yeah um which we're building for one of our vip members um he has a he won a contest and oh so wow he, they shipped this car out here and we're his fj and we're like doing a full overland build for him Dude, that's it. insane and then right next to it i've got you know well i've got two cars i can't even mention that are also out in left field that we just recently got that you guys will see coming up but we've got you know the r32 uh, we've got the electric Z that we're building, like the freak. This yeah. is, it's all over the place. That's like, sick, dude. which is cool. Cause like when I wake up in the morning, I'm like excited to go because yeah. like I'm not in this trench of like, it's the same thing every day. For sure. There's no monotony in it whatsoever, yeah. which is good. You always got to have those, those goals. Mm-hmm. You know? and my goals have, have kind of shifted a little bit, but I think I need to bring it back a little bit to the cars. But it's just like another Honda build is not attractive to me at all. And no disrespect. No. But I can build. I feel that. I can build this car in five minutes, explain where I'm going to get every single part, what it's going to look like, and every every single aspect of it. Just mm-hmm. because, you know, I've been in the industry, in the Honda industry mm-hmm. for so long. Yeah. So I know, I know who I'm going to go to for this, for that, for that. Yep. And, and it's, it's just not even fun. It's not me. a challenge. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's like doing a puzzle for the second time. Exactly. So if I was to jump in, you know, like a, a E30 or S14 or something, bro, we could probably even de- be developing a lot of new products that would go for that. 100%. And uh, we'll see. You know, if I, if I get you. one car out of the way, maybe I could bring another project and that would be pretty fun. Well, E30s are going up real fast. So. I know they are. <laughs> even just the base model ones are like... 318 or whatever, so 328 or like. I, I think the one that really, the the piece of content that really made me attracted to them was when uh, Kith did the collab with uh, with the new the mm-hmm. new G80. Yeah. And in the, they did like a collab video. I don't know if you ever seen it, but it was like in New York or video, something. No. It was like a whole group of the E30 M3s just driving oh, around. Man. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is so so fucking awesome and that just made me fall in love the with it e30 is an iconic car because i not to get off on a tangent but i when i built a s13 way back in like 2005 or 6 i aspired to make it look like an e30 in that it was a convertible mm. and the one thing i always loved about the e30 convertibles was how flat the hood was and then you just had the the a pillar for the windshield and when the top was down it literally went from the A pillar straight back off the trunk. So you just had this cool straight line and this 
windshield popped mm-hmm. up was all you saw. Yeah. And so when I did my S14 or S13 convertible, I did an S14 face on it to really get that square front end. And I already had the really long straight uh, window line and trunk line. And then the A-pillar windshield line when the top was down, I got rid of all, they have like these pillars on the doors. I cut those off mm. with a Sawzall and, and used coupe door panels and like. Oh shit. So I, I emulated the, the overall like aesthetic of an E30 on that S chassis because I thought that was the perfect look. I thought BMW nailed it, but I wasn't a BMW guy. Yeah. I, I loved that Nissan. And so I just kind of like took cues from that and put it into my S13 chassis. And to this day, I still think the E30 is one of the sexiest BMWs ever made. So fucking cool, dude. You've had BMWs though, right? Yeah, actually, I'm kind of a closet BMW fan. Not as much as you, mm-hmm. and not as much as my partner, Evan. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I've had, so I guess I've had a few now. Um, my fiance also drives one daily. What uh, is that? F chassis. So oh, okay. it's an F30. Um, I had an E91 wagon that was dubbed Ric Flair on social media. Mm-hmm. because Okay, it was, yeah, uh, I remember that one. It was a white one, right? <clears throat> white, wide-bodied, slammed on AccuAir, uh, HRE wheels, full build-out. It was a really cool car, and I built that as just a kind of a fun daily. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I sold that to fund another project, and uh, I went back and bought another one. <laughs> <laughs> so the car I drove up here is actually an F31 wagon that oh, I recently really? built on the Throttle YouTube channel. So it was like a one-video transformation. I went... They stopped bringing wagons to the states. BMW did. They went all SUV. Yeah. So you can't buy an S or a wagon in the states anymore. Uh, they stopped them in eighteen. So I found a very low mile uh, seventeen model. Okay. And it had all the stuff. Well, most of the stuff I wanted. It wasn't an M Sport package, but it it had um, some of the bits already. So you said it's a seventeen. Yeah. Oh, okay. 2017. Oh shit. So they stopped in eighteen. But I found a seven. I was looking for an 18, but I found a 17. It was super low miles. It was spotless. Mm. So it's a four-cylinder turbocharged uh, automatic car, DCT car. I'm not sure how they call the transmissions in these things anymore, but it's not a. It's not an H pattern. Mm. Um, and then I just went ham on it. I probably put as much as I paid for the car into it after I got it mm. to make it look cool and yeah. do all the stuff I wanted to do. And I upgraded a lot of the stuff to to M performance stuff and. Uh, we we literally did one video on the car. We took it from stock to what it what I drove up here today in one video, and it it dominated. People loved to see the the uh, transformation. Yeah. So we'll probably be doing a lot more of those. And the, uh, so that's that. Is that F eighty three? No, F thirty one. F thirty one. So the wagons are always ones. Oh. Okay. So like, my older E ninety chassis wagon was an E ninety one. Okay. Then the twos are convertibles. No, sorry. The twos are coupes, the threes are convertibles, and then the fours are sedans. So if it was an M, though, it no, would no, be no, a- no. I, well, I really screwed that all up. So let's take the E platform. So yes. E ninety, yeah, is the coupe, is the coupe, and then you had E ninety one is the wagon. E ninety two is the two door sports car. Okay. E ninety three is convertible. Oh, so the, the three, convertible, I forgot about convertible. The three is okay. convertible. Gotcha. The, one, the is wagon, one is wagon. The zero okay. is sedan. Yeah. And the two is the sports car. So do they have, uh, what was it? What would be an F81 so G- then, right? So G82 would be an M3, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. It's, it carried over into the G platform as well. No. The, the uh, nomenclature. G, G, G80, G80 is an M3. 
M3. I'm pretty sure. So what's a G? So if there was a G81, that would be the wagon. But okay. There probably is not a G81 Got in the you. states. I heard there is one coming out in Europe. What do you think about that new grill, dude? The G. I'll be honest. Grill. I was cruising up with one, a white one, sla- yeah. slammed on black stock black wheels that must have been pushed out. Yeah. It looked pretty mean. Fucking I'll be sick, honest. I, I hated it at first, and yeah. it, that happens a lot. And of I think course. that's going to happen with the new Integra. Mm. I think a lot of people are going to hate on it, the styling and the overall uh, appeal of the car. And I think give it a year, give it two years, some fixed up ones start coming out. And, you think so? And some fixes. I know, like even on that, was it G eighty? Yeah. The grill is it's like the tall grill, right? Yeah. Some I think IND or somebody made like, for sure a, like a split grill, so it like splits it up and makes the bumper complete so you don't I have think, this big tall grill yeah i think other people were even doing uh actual front bumpers yeah that I think that's what i'm talking about yeah but i, I kind saw of a disguising couple, it right for sure but <laughs> i don't know right when i first seen it i think i saw it and then i saw kind of a, a rendering that somebody did and that made me fall in love with it they put like um, the f30 grills or something no no no, no 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 it still had the big like oh, okay. fish mouth grill but <laughs> i think that they like put a lip or something it sharpened it up a yeah. lot and i was like dude that looks so good yeah and i ever since it came out i just loved it so where i like what turned the page for me was we uh motul sent me and a couple of the throttle guys out to daytona mm. for the 24 hour race and we were guests of the ray hall letterman uh G, I think it's GT3 team. I, I could be wrong. It's it's one of the classes, but they they race that car, and it's a full race build. Like I'm talking, it doesn't really share anything other than the floor pan with the original car. Oh wow! So it's full carbon everything. Okay, and it all just like it's like a Lego set. It all just kind of bolts on with these fasteners, and oh, so gotcha, I got to gotcha, like gotcha. go in the in the garage, and they had the thing all blown apart, getting it ready for the race. And I got to go in there. They actually let me take photos and everything because we were planning on maybe doing a project utilizing some of those uh, components. And um, you know, I was fortunate to get to see it all undressed. Mm-hmm. But man, is it a cool car! And then after that, like seeing it in race trim, kind of changed it for me. Yeah. Like now I look at it and I see the potential for sure in aesthetic not like ooh, that's ugly yeah so i think you know if more people could see the race car version i think they would change their mind a little bit dude that, even the uh the interior on it just looks so sick dude the interior is probably the shining star for me like i'm a big interior guy because that's where you spend all your time i think yeah. that's where you should spend most of your money too is making the interior what you want especially on older cars new cars they kind of got it figured out yeah like you literally get these new cars and they're like spot on like for sure there's maybe one thing you would change or something or add a cell phone holder I and mean, even now yeah. most of them have those are wireless charger. wireless chargers mm-hmm. and everything so the interiors are like so so good on those cars the seats are like oh they have God, the pass-through dude. holes and oh, all so fucking sick dude they did what they went with some funky colors with some of them yeah the yellow and blue like yellow and blue is <laughs> really weird i saw that but like the the ones with i'm a, I'm a fan of the it's not even red but the red interior what yeah. is it like orange something i forget yeah. like orange peel i don't know the shit. name of it ah. they always do something really like evan has a bunch of red interior white bmws now and he was calling it like fox red or something oh, okay they you know every every car like niche has its own nomenclature for all yeah. these what is it like the, the seats that the vaders yeah the vaders yes yeah, so <laughs> i, saw, I think saying. he's just got some of those huh those look he so did. good and then you just put fox red on them <laughs> so but if you talk 
having this conversation with somebody that knows nothing about the beluga blue. Yeah. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And then that's, that's kind of one of my things too. Like, when, like, man, dude, I want to build an, uh, another car. I want to build a BMW so I could just get more into that community. Cause right now I feel like, although I, I, I do have, this is my second BMW that I have. Um, I haven't really dove into them mm-hmm. much and I'm kind of on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. but Dude, they're really uh, they're really accepting our products in there like a lot, dude. Really? Yeah, like the F eighty guys and even the G eighty guys. Too, well, I saw those sure. kits you're selling, like the engine bay dress up kits and stuff. And I think you sent one over for the Supra mm-hmm. that we we did a sweepstakes on. Yeah, and that was like the the final touch for that engine bay. We did you know intake and stuff like that, and uh, oil caps and all the stuff that's like very traditional. But then that you know your little bolt and uh, washer kit showed up, and that was kind of like the the final like oh that's what it needed yeah for it sure. tied it all together and that's how i feel too because the kit's 175 for a bmw you can't buy anything for 175 <laughs> that is going to make it stand out no you know um and that holder costs more than that yeah you know for <laughs> sure so uh yeah they've been adopting the kit so well Good. and i'm stoked on it and it's really put us into like uh like a a, a cookie cutter um genre where you're you have a downstar kit you have the gold wrench caps, mm-hmm. you have CSF yeah, coolers, and you have Aventury intakes. Yeah, that's exactly those, what we did. Those four. That's the you, recipe. You, that's the recipe. That's it. And you have that. You pop the hood, and you're like, oh, shit. And then you sprinkle a little bit of like performance BMW, maybe some carbon yeah. covers or something. Yeah. And you're set, dude. You're so, fucking set. So and here it, we are back at the Honda thing. <laughs> it just became. For sure. It just became a complicated Honda. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude. So I, I'm super stoked on those kits. But the you thing is, be. from E E90 up, we're all set. Uh, E46 and below, that's when they started using screws. Mm-hmm. You know, then and that screws us, mm-hmm. bro. No pun intended. <laughs> you know, but so <laughs> nice. We, we actually need to get fasteners made with screw thread. Yeah, but that will fit. Our washers yes and they, once they, we do that the whole under trays set. and everything are all held on with those like funky like big thread pitch screws. very weird mm-hmm. dude they it's have about, a eight mil head on them or seven yeah yeah, yeah yeah so once we do that then we'll be set for you e30 36 e46 guys and that's our plan but to actually dive into that community i, I really hate to be somebody from the outside looking in even though we do have a don't, bmw don't be I just want to be you like, break into new markets. I want to get into it. I want to build something. I want to know who like the the influencers are, yeah. and I hate to use that word, yeah. but there are the influencers. No, not not the not the the the, the social media, right. the way of using it, but just like these are the people who've yeah. been in the industry, yeah. who are kind of the pioneers of it, yeah. and uh, I would like to get to know those people because that 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 genre is very fascinating to mm-hmm. me, dude. Yeah. It's funny because, like I was saying earlier, like every uh, every niche of car model has its tastemakers. I guess sure. is the best For way sure. to put it. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding that out with uh, a recent purchase of mine. Like I, it's totally foreign to me, and um, the car's six thousand miles away. Mm. And I'm trying to spec wheels for it. I was trying to, you know, get an intake for it. And then I, like, all you can do is research. And we're lucky to have the internet. Yeah, you know if I was trying to do this 20 years ago or 30 years ago, it would have been much harder. So let me guess 6,000 miles from here, Russia, you're getting a (laughs) car straight from Russia. Uh, no, (laughs) I will not be going to Russia. I don't know. 
Japan. Japan, dude. It's, it's like 5,600 miles. Oh so I was my exaggerating. God, dude. Yeah. So what are you getting from there? Uh, I picked up a Nissan Stasia. Okay. It's called a 260RS built by Autech. So it's one of 749 ever built. Oh, wow. So it's a, a Series 2, they call it. And they only made like 749 of them. So it's a really cool, unique car. I bought it last year on a whim. Um, I got an R32 GTR and kind of fell in love with the RB motor and the way that car performed and reacted and all-wheel drive and all-wheel steering and all that. That was a really cool car. But I'm a wagon guy. I love hatchbacks. I mm. love wagons. So, um, you know, I, I've known of the Stasia for probably 20 years. It's been around for a long time. Uh, but the Series 2, for whatever reason, it was like the 99-2000 uh, era that one really just resonated with me and it, they Nissan manufactured them as an RB 25 powered station wagon. And then they delivered them this handful of them to Autech, which mm -hmm. is a basically like a, a conversion shop, like a custom shop. And Autech took the drivetrain out of Nissan Skyline R 33s and bolted them into these wagons. Okay. So it's essentially an R 33, in a station wagon. Wow. So you get the best of both, in my opinion, the yeah. best of both roads. You get the powertrain, you get the all-wheel steering, the drive, the all-wheel drive, uh, but you get all this luxury of a wagon. And they, they sported up the interior as well. They got like sport seats and they got rid of the, the flip-out cup holders. Like they made it more sporty than the traditional Stasia wagon or the RS4 or whatever it would be called gotcha. in the RB25 trim. So it's a very cool, unique car. And I know I'm getting a little long-winded about it, but... I'm very excited about it. Hell yeah, dude. So I'm trying to like spec this car for myself to put parts on it. But man, it was never available in the States. Yeah. There's a handful of them here. Because um, obviously they can't come here until they're 25 years old. Mine can't come over for another two years. So I'm storing it in Japan. I'm going to make a trip over there once or twice a year to see it. This will be my first visit to see it because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, they just opened the country up to uh, visas. So I got a visa. I'm going to go over there. I ordered a bunch of parts off of Yahoo Auction Japan for it. I'm going to go over there and uh, film some episodes for Throttle where I actually oh, mod, mod the wagon. And I'm taking my fiance Courtney with me and we're going to go tour Japan. Oh, nice. In the wagon. So oh, we're literally no going to throw our bags in the back and get hotels wherever, grab an Airbnb, whatever, and just go see Mount Fuji and go see oh the, Dude, um, that is amazing. all the culture and the gardens and visit some tuner shops and uh, visit Top Rank, who I bought the car from. So it's wow. going to be a really like uh, kind of a bucket list trip. I've been to Japan a number yeah. of times, but yeah. I've always been working. I so, ran into you in Japan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> last auto salon. That's right. Yeah. That we were able to go to. So that's right. So I've been there, but it's, I've always been working and it's always been in January because that's when auto salon is. And that's Fucking like the really freezing. Yeah. It's the relevant reason for us to go there, right? To check out all the new stuff and uh, to get to go there in the middle of summer where it's going to be really hot is going to be an experience. Dude, I'm fucking jealous, bro. Oh, oh my God. You know how, how much I love Japan and I miss Japan? And you might appreciate this being uh, in the YouTube space. Mm hmm. I don't even know what this this genre is called, but I'm watching like I, IRL of somebody just walking around the whole day. No no edits, no clips, just walking around. Is it video, GoPro footage? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, I don't I don't think it's GoPro or maybe if they make like, you know, really high quality well, GoPro videos. What's the videos, point of view? Is it like It's per, yeah. Just a personal point of view. Mm. And uh the videos are maybe like 2 hours long. But you know, sometimes 
you want to have something on the TV, but yeah. you're not really paying attention. It's white noise, yeah. Dude, I'll throw that on in Shibuya. And I'm just watching it, and I'm like, dude, this is so cool. And the other night, you Ash, see some spots you've been. Oh hell yeah, dude! So Ash and I are watching it. And I'm like, dude, all right, I hope he turns right because this. Yeah, it's, I was it's, there. Go, go right. Go oh, there's right. the robot restaurant. <laughs> dude, speaking of robot restaurant, dude, uh, last time it was 2019 when Ash went with us, and I think that's the that's time. the year. Yeah, that's the year because she's the one that took the picture. Yeah, of us. that's right because we saw Ryan. You were with Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're uh, we should probably insert that picture. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little too much editing, Mickey. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but we're, uh, she wanted to go to a robot restaurant, and uh, Ryan, he's like, ah, that place sucks. You know, sometimes if uh, it doesn't catch his attention, yeah. he's like, ah, oh, that's whack. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. And then she's like, let's just go. I'm like, all right, let's go. Dude, I had so much fucking fun. So did I. I thought Are you was, lit? I, yeah, I went with like TJ and a few other guys that were over there. Uh, I thought it was going to be a little, you know, uh, I don't know. I didn't have really high hopes for it. Yeah, but man, I left there with a smile on my face. So for sure. fun! Dude. And then I was like, man, what was this person on when they choreographed this thing? Because <laughs> this is bizarre. It was about thirteen drugs. For <laughs> damn sure, bro. But it's just so fascinating how they have all that stuff in that little area. in the space. Like if this this area right it's here, kind of like this, they yeah. have just a, a robot dragon eating <laughs> somebody. Coming. <laughs> it was just like that. It all was while so... you're having dinner. It was so cool, bro. An overpriced dinner at that. Yeah. I don't think we ate there, dude. Oh, you're better uh, off. Yeah, we just went to watch the festivities. Yeah, you don't go there for the food, yeah. for sure. But it was cool. But yeah, it's, uh, I love Japan, man. And that's, me too. That's funny because it was just like the other day I was watching it. And me, uh, the outside looking in, you're like, what are you doing, bro? Why are you <laughs> watching this? But now I kind of get why the kids watch people play video games. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure, man. And then I was even thinking, like, man, if if somebody was in Japan and they had their their services, like, hey, for fifty dollars, I'll follow you. Tell me where oh, to yeah. go. You know, and would you, you could, do that? Like, pay for it? Yeah. I don't know. It might be pretty cool, dude. It'd you know, be a good memory for sure. For sure. Just telling somebody, like, okay, you could go here, walk here. Oh, go inside of there. You know, let's see. I want to see what the store oh. looks like. Like total, like choose your own adventure, walk around. For sure, literally have like a headset, have this guy on a headset, they and as it. long as like the the stream is clear, like why couldn't that be a business? That's it, different. It could be. It'd be really cool. You're really giving somebody that experience. I mean, there's nothing like being there. Yeah, but I I absolutely love. Japan. I could see that getting a little awkward too, like people walking Going into dude. stuff they shouldn't. <laughs> walking into well there's definitely like an underworld oh yeah Japan. you get those feelings sometimes. that's what i'm saying mm-hmm. man i've been to some we were just having this discussion the other day like i've been to some really crazy bars there and stuff that like if you didn't know a local or someone that had been to that spot before you'd never find it for sure they're like under under like literally underground not underground like hidden there are that too but they're like you go down flights of stairs and you looks like a janitor closet and all of a sudden you're inside this little like country bar that's like u.s style and they're making these little pizza breads and no stuff way like, man and there's just a guy in the corner like everybody's all <laughs> cramped up there, this one bar i was in they were eating uh you know how they sell those like freeze-dried squid and stuff yes, yes, you yes. can buy at the yeah. corner store 7-eleven they were using lighters and they were like they were holding the squid and they would use a lighter and heat it up and eat it and i've never seen anything like that before Oh, wow. They wanted me to try it, and I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, I think it was the last time we went, 2020, uh, Ryan and I went, and um, 
we met up with uh, RJ Devera, uh-huh. and he actually took us to a spot like that. Like it was a sushi restaurant, yeah. and there's no signage or anything on the door outside. And he just opens his door, and it's a full ass restaurant. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. It's so popular, they don't even have to advertise. So crazy. Yeah. That's like the space that you want to get into. It's a real interesting culture over there, man. Like if if you guys haven't experienced Japan, I. It doesn't matter where else you've been in the world. It is a unique experience. Yeah. I've been a lot of places and uh, I've been to other Asian countries and oh, really? nothing compares to Japan. What's a, what's like a, a, a runner up for you, you think? Yeah. Bangkok was really cool. Really? But it was really filthy mm. at the same time. And I'm sure there's, you know, I don't want to be too hard, but I'm sure there's areas that are, are clean or whatever. But like where I was in downtown and... Um, I wasn't all that impressed. I was impressed by like the, the sheer amount of uh, humanity and the size of the buildings. And there were a lot of things that were eye opening, but man, Japan does it, you know, so well, mm-hmm. Japan is pretty much spotless for sure. There are places where you see some trash on the ground stuff, but it's not like here in the States or yeah. LA. Um, it's probably the cleanest country I've been in. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm sure it's not perfect. But the things that I've seen in my time there, I've been blown away. The culture of people, uh, how they, how much they care about one another is something that I think Americans could take a lot of notes from. Um, you know, we used to make fun of, well, not me particularly, but people I've heard make fun of, uh, you know, Japanese people on the train wearing masks. Well, now we have COVID in our world and that's a real thing, but like, People in Japan were wearing masks on the subways and trains long before COVID. And, you know, people, I would hear people make comments about, like, well, that's stupid. Like, but it isn't because they're protecting themselves. They're protecting the others around them. Yeah. If they had a, a runny nose or they had a cough or, you know, someone in their family was under the weather, they would wear a mask so that they didn't get others sick. Yeah. That's very caring and thoughtful. For sure. Like, our society does does not do that or didn't do that. And I always thought that was really admirable yeah. um, from a, from a society standpoint. I definitely agree with you on there, man. So there's a lot of really cool, like little things like that, that I appreciate about Japan that we don't get here in the States and also cars that we don't get. Here. Yeah. <laughs> and then just their, their dedication to their work, whatever it is. I I've had people oh, when yeah. I would go to a, it was like cold stone or something just to get an ice cream and they're just putting their all into it. You know, mm-hmm. and just like singing and just so yeah. happy and yeah. it's it's beautiful i love it there man i would i would love to spend like a year there you know just find a place rent it and you don't even need that much stuff anyways. a year's a long time yeah you think so you think i get tired of it yeah like say try yeah. a month or three, a month like max <laughs> and then and then decide, like, yeah. Yeah, if it's for you, then. What if I just never come back? <laughs> what about I that see that happening. <laughs> I can see that happening. I, I could be that guy, probably. One thing you have to, well, one, first of all, 7-Eleven is, is uncomparable oh over there. Oh, my God. The egg sandwiches are egg sandwiches, so bomb. The pancake sandwiches. Oh, my God. All the hot coffee, like, the hot coffee vending machines. Mm-hmm. That, like, literally, you just go in and grab a can of oh, coffee. Soup? Hot, you can get a soup hot, hot soup on the street. And then you can't. Eating or drinking on the run is frowned upon. Mm-hmm. So, like, you don't see anybody really on the subways, like, having a meal. Yeah. Like, you don't stop at McDonald's and grab a Big Mac and fries and sit on the train and eat it like Americans do. Yeah. Or in the car and stuff. I, I assume people drink drinks in the cars, but if you look at 90s JDM cars, 
None of them have cup holders. Mm. None of them. Oh, I never even thought about that. Almost none. Like very few. At least the like the the Supra, the R32, R33. They have places you can put a drink, but they're not necessarily a cup holder. And so, like, 7-Eleven has sit-downs inside. Yeah. You notice every 7-Eleven has a little area where, like, people can go on their lunch break, grab a sandwich, grab a coffee or a drink, oh, and sit wow. and eat. So you're not doing it on the run. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing. I mean, maybe some of you guys can leave a comment, like, if you're familiar, why it's faux pas to, mm. to like, be on the run with food or drink in Japan. Yeah. I don't know why, but I just, I was uh, aware of it for sure. Cause when we would go, um, we would hang out with, uh, Yasu, mm-hmm. uh, from exceed yeah, Japan, yeah. um, probably the, uh, with like the earlier trips that we went on. And, uh, I think it was, it was Ryan. He was kind of getting me, me ready for the trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause we'd fly together. Mm-hmm. And when Ryan and I get together, we just talk forever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talk for like eight hours yeah. straight dude and then watch a movie together all right one <laughs> two play <laughs> i love ryan dude but yeah he was just giving me a breakdown of like oh you, and you don't do this and you don't do that but i was like all right cool yeah. but like it's cool man i don't i don't want to go there and be an american i want to go there immerse yourself and, in and the just, culture just yeah. feel their culture and just live like they they do um, see, and then looking at through that aspect, uh, you know, I like to skate a lot. I don't know, like how, how comfortable I would really feel about skating out there, like grinding on things. Exactly. And stuff like that, yeah. yeah, some like ancient stump. Uh, isn't 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 one of the like really good X Games skaters from Japan? Oh yeah, Yuto. Yeah, Yuto. So, yeah, he's the one that won the X Games. Yeah, uh, the I, first I ever that. one. Dude, he's such a fucking beast. Bro. So he's he's got to skate and practice somewhere. So, but he's always out here. Oh, is he? I never okay. see him like post videos. Oh, there. so he's just, he's just, <laughs> he's his nationality stuff, is Japanese. Dude. He's here messing up our country. <laughs> I, I see you, Utah. Oh, shout out to him. <laughs> he's such a fucking beast, dude. Yeah. Do you know the, um, the Hollywood, uh, Hollywood 12? No. Okay. So Hollywood high school, there's uh there's two stair sets that are like iconic. Okay. It's a 12 stair. But then it's going down a hill, so the other side is is a sixteen. I've probably seen and, it. Oh yeah, for videos. sure. Because it's really close to Hollywood and Highland, like okay. um, where where like Ripley's Believe in It or Not or whatever. It's probably like a block away from there. Sweet. But like, he did this sick ass trick down the sixteen stair with like a ski mask on, bro. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, this dude is such a fucking beast. And bro. you had no idea who it was, or you did? No, I knew who okay. it was, but it's just like, yeah. that's just such a, a... You can't do that with like... It's like doing a trick with glasses on or something, dude. That's just, cool that, that Hollywood 12 has like a, a place in skateboarding history. I, I was so pumped when I first moved to Oceanside, California, because uh, my chick took me down to the beach, yeah. and I'm like, man, this place looks familiar. And I couldn't figure out why. Yeah. And then it all dawned on me that that was like the epicenter of Paolo Peralta skate mm. videos way back when I was into skateboarding in the mid nineties. Like, Got you. That was like the Oceanside Amphitheater was where they filmed a lot of the tricks and the staircase that goes down to the Oceanside Pier is like one of the staircases that they were doing these massive jumps off of. And I, here I was like 25, 30 years later looking at this and going, why does this feel so familiar? <laughs> and then it dawned on me like, holy yeah. crap, this is like famous skate territory. For sure. MBMX too. And yeah. Out in, in your area, there's a lot of like this mm-hmm. like core where the skateboarding was, was built at. You San know? Diego area. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like as much as, as the, was it, uh, 
Santa Monica or what mm-hmm. have you. Um, a lot of that came from it's the kind Oceanside of a area similar too. like feel about both of those spots. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I don't know if that is on purpose or, or not. But. I think, I just think it's in the culture of, of California. You know, you, you talk to like skateboarding and BMXing. Those are, it's like in our blood. Yeah. Dude. Oh dude, I could go on for hours about this. Like that area is so populated. Like, I've seen Tony Hawk at Zoomies like buying shoes for his kids. Oh shit. Uh, Bucky Lassick has become like a good friend of mine because of cars. Yeah. He was somebody that I was playing in video games before I moved yeah. out to California. And now he's like got my cell phone number and he's texting me or like, oh, we shit. talk and like yeah. he comes by the shop and hangs out and works on his car. Like it's just so crazy to think like how far, like, well, first of all, how famous those skaters have become. And two, like how much real people they are. Like mm. they're just genuine dudes, just like any, any of us. Like, yeah. But they became so famous from being involved in skateboarding early on. And that's like Bob Haro in the BMX world. Same thing. Mm-hmm. He's right in like Cardiff by the sea, which is right up the street from us. And I see him driving around. Yeah. It's just as a kid, like those were like heroes to me. And now they're right in front of me. It's really cool. Yeah. It, well, when we were younger, it was a lot harder to, to think that you had access yeah. to these sort of people. Yeah. You know, They're but, like superheroes at that point. Oh, for life, sure. Right? As much as car guys like to say, you know, Fast and Furious got me into cars. A lot of people say that. Mm-hmm. Like, Tony Hawk Pro Skater yeah. has an impact on probably most people yeah, that are watching sure. this. I'm not even a video game guy, but I definitely played that game. That was the one I was referring to. And I, the soundtrack to on it, dude. And, like, oh, come songs, on, yeah. bro. And then, yeah, I, I feel the same way, bro. It's like now I'm skating with some of these guys, and it's like I try to hide that that excitement because <laughs> I don't want to be a, a nerd, oh. you know. But I'm like. Yo, that's, I've definitely that's Andrew Reynolds, right? There. <laughs> I've definitely fanboyed around Bucky a few times. He showed up at our shop one day with a Powell Peralta coffee mug, and I was like, "Yeah, that's so cool, dude!" Like, he's like, "Oh yeah," he, he's obviously like friends with the owners. Yeah, and, like, they've been making boards for him for it's as long as I've been alive. It's dope, man. So since you're in this sort of space where you you do get recognized, uh, and you're starting to to meet people that maybe you didn't think you would ever meet mm-hmm. like who's somebody that sticks out to you that you've met and you're you were really surprised and honored to meet them well definitely bucky mm-hmm. um i think one thing that people like i said we as humans we put people we look up to on pedestals um and there's always been the saying never meet your hero for sure because you're probably going to be disappointed and I would say I've been pretty lucky because all the people that I've looked up to that I've actually had the opportunity to meet have all been very cool and exactly who I expected them to be. There's only been maybe one or two that's been like, e that mm. was a letdown. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, John Forrest is one of them. John Forrest is, you know, I think 16 time NHRA world champion or more now at this point. Um, and through some of the relationships that we've built at throttle, uh, you know, we're partners with his same sponsors. They Mm. bring us out to the race. We're in his trailer, like eating lunch with them and like having jokes with them and stuff. And he's one of those guys that I never thought I would get to meet. I mean, he's, he's quite a bit older than me. Um, he's very established and he's built an empire for himself. So, you know, what, 
what grounds would we ever have to meet one another? And yeah. so I'm fortunate to have met him and he lived up to all the hype that I had for him. Mm. And, and then some, to Good. be honest, he's, he is everything you see on TV and more in person. Yeah. And so like him and Bucky, I think really, um, not only did I look up to them, I still do. And, um, I aspire to be good, a good human like they are and a good ambassador to whatever sport or whatever I'm into, um, for others around me to try to be passionate about it, show that passion and be a good human being to those people that look up to, if they look up to me or whoever, like I want to be a good steward. Yeah. That was my next, uh, my next question, dude, is like, now you're in that space and now, you know, millions of people are watching you almost daily. Mm. Like, what's that like? Uh, you know, it's, yeah, man, a lot's changed since I was here last time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've grown probably a million subscribers since then. It might, yeah, it might have been like 600K yeah, yeah. at that time. Yeah, because we're almost at there. 2 million now. Um, man, I'll be honest, dude. Like, getting recognized is an awkward thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened to me just the other day. I was in a surf shop buying some shorts, and some kid came up to me. He's like, he worked there, and he's like, man, you look familiar. Where, what are you from YouTubers? And he, he recognized it was YouTube, but so I, you know, I had a small chat with him and I, I don't want any notoriety for that stuff. In fact, I stayed off camera for the longest time. Um, you know, took my partners telling me like, Hey, we really need to get into the space. Mm. This was five years ago. Now we need you to man up and get on the camera. And so, um, it was really hard for me. Um, I don't want the level of notoriety that comes with that, and the pressure that comes along with it as well, because there's a lot. And I think a lot of people don't, until you get there, you don't realize that there is so much pressure that goes along with, um, with that. I mean, now I have to think about when I leave the house, like, am I presentable? Mm. Did I comb my hair? Uh, you know, do I, you have to think about all those things because you never know when someone that looks up to you or aspires to be in your shoes is going to see you and want to talk and you don't want to look like, you don't take care of yourself. You don't. Yeah. Or, you know, or you, you feel uncomfortable. So you hide, you shy away mm. from the interaction with the person and that could ruin them. Yeah. You know, like I had these high hopes for John force and he came through with flying colors. I want to be John force. Gotcha. I want to be the person that, you know, I don't thrive off the notoriety, but if I do get noticed, I want to be able to have an intelligent conversation encourage that person to chase their dreams or you know whatever that wherever that conversation goes i want to be positive yeah and so there is a lot that goes along with that and it is a little daunting um but i think you know just staying grounded and and uh being uh, appreciative of opportunities that have been given is very important i think that helps you stay stay humble as well yeah um some things that you hear from uh about like youtubers is that it's it's a lot of uh you know fake personality Mm -hmm. and uh they're they're attracted to that lifestyle that you're saying that you know you just don't you're not really that interested in no i think uh, you know a lot of youtubers start out with the admiration of becoming famous Mm mm-hmm so I think you're right in that. Um, I didn't go after it for that reason. I went after it from a business standpoint. Gotcha. So we wanted, it, was, it was imperative that I got in front of the camera in order for our business to grow and market. 
Um, so I didn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. It was like, you either do this or you don't. And so Evan and, and Rick, my partners, actually really pushed for me to do it. Um, but I do see, you know, people taking advantage of the YouTube space to get some, you know, notoriety or uh, ability to be like semi-famous or whatever, yeah. however you want to call it. So, um, so it can be, you know, double-sided. For yeah, sure. no, for sure. And I know that you always get the question a lot, like, I want to be a YouTuber. What what should I do? <laughs> um, you know, and, and I, it's the I most was... common question. It's, yeah, it's got to <laughs> be. And uh, I was actually talking to somebody not long ago, and he's like, yeah, I just got to work on my YouTube personality. And to me, that's kind of like, well, no, a re- like a red flag. <laughs> your person, yeah, you should be working on. You should work on like on your YouTubing. Your, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like the the way that that I see it is, is like almost eight billion people on this earth. Like you're you're unique to you. Why would you want to have a, a personality of somebody else? But then I see it like they want to to is that because they want to just grow quicker or? Well, I think you know there is no persona like I think you can tell by watching the throttle YouTube channel that I'm exactly the person for sure sitting here as I am on camera. Yeah. And I strive for that every day. Um, there are others that I'm around that have a different switch that they flick when the record button goes on and it's obvious you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, you know, some people need to have that little injection of, uh, camera in their face or whether it be caffeine or something to kind of ramp up their uh, excitement level because nobody wants to watch a boring YouTuber. Mm. Like, you know, if you just stand there and talk about what you're doing and you use the same monotone voice the whole time and you never change it and just no influx and fluctuation of ups or downs or anything like that, you're not going to watch. You're not going to stick around. So there is some level of like, okay, I need to gear this up a little bit. I need to my voice needs to come up and down. I need to do interesting things so that people stay engaged and want to watch the channel. But that can be contrived and come off as fake, you know, to some people mm-hmm. or to a lot of people. And so I think, you know, for me particularly, I try to be myself, but I also try to be interesting, mm. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, some people struggle with that and, you know, maybe they're not cut out for YouTube. But there are a lot of YouTubers that I see in person and they're, you know, they're, they're really over here, but on camera, they're over here. And so what do you get when you're just having a conversation? You're getting this person over here. So then when you watch them on YouTube, you're like, who is this? Yeah. What, what am I seeing right now? Yeah. This is not real. Yeah. So I, you definitely like, you know, I definitely think there's a mentality that you have to have and you have to uh, be exciting, but not overly over overdone. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that that's just the, the culture of you, YouTubers? And if, if the culture did change? It's, it's our culture in general. And I think, you know, TikTok, I think Instagram and all these live social platforms are really um, influencing how people want to be perceived or seen whether it be on youtube or on tiktok instagram and so that's where sort of a lot of the fakeness is coming from is like you you want to be on all the time you need to be exciting so that people want to watch you and share your videos but um you know i think if you're a good judge of character you can kind of see through that stuff pretty much straight away have you ever met somebody who has a successful channel and then 
the the person that they were in person was like a a, a lot better than the person that they perceive and you're just like man yeah. if you were that person like your channel would be killing it even more yeah i can think of one right off the top of my head absolutely i think they're a better person in person than they are on camera but they don't realize it mm. and so you know what the majority gets from that person is not actually who they are and i think people would appreciate their actual person over their youtube persona yeah absolutely i'm, I'm sure there's many yeah like that but i can think of one person off the top of my head straight away like i know them intimately and i think that person is a much better person in when i'm face to face than mm -hmm. they are on camera because what you're getting on camera is not always real yeah you're getting something that is a hook so that you stay and watch mm, yeah i wonder if that'll ever change you know i don't think so i think it's gonna get worse I, really i mean man our society is so screwed up with tiktok and instagram and, and youtube now like everybody all they care about is clicks and likes and shares and um you know how exposed can i be yeah like it, it's it's gonna get to a point where it's just too much yeah i feel terrible for the youth of, of today oh my god dude Seriously, they're exposed bro. to so much more than than i ever was now i'm a little bit older but like i'll be 46 this year and I didn't get social media till I was in my probably mid to late twenties. Mm. So I think I was pretty mature for, for when it came about. Um, but man, I couldn't imagine being like eight or 10 when all this stuff came out and having to live through yeah. my teens and you know, those insecure years where everything yeah. is on blast. My son's in the middle of it. He right is. Now. Yeah. You know, uh, Christian's 15 and, uh, he doesn't like to post anything. And when he does post something, it'll be he on his on his feed. Uh, if you guys check him out, Life of C2. If you check him out on Instagram, maybe he'll have one video up mm -hmm. and then he'll archive it later. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, from, from my point of view, from a dad, from someone who wants to see him succeed in skateboarding, mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, you're screwing yourself, bro. Mm -hmm. Like people need to see your clips when they find your Instagram so mm -hmm. they can see what you're doing, you know, mm -hmm. but then looking at it through his point of view, I get it, you know, and uh, I don't know how many people are telling him at school like or like, like judging him yeah. at school, but uh, like, oh man, I'm sure so many people are, you know, I mean, I remember the peer pressure from back when I was in junior without high social school. media, without, you social know, media. it was like, imagine you know, it now. What clothes are you wearing? What shoes mm -hmm. do you got? What skateboard do you ride? What BMX bike do you have? What car did you buy? Or what car did your parents buy you? Mm -hmm. And um, man, then you just take all that and put it under a magnifying glass of social media. Yeah. Like the pressure has to be crazy. And I, I just don't, um, I don't know how <laughs> this generation is dealing with it. Yeah. I, but it's it, it is crazy man and i really feel for him and sometimes i just gotta sure. take a step back be like yo this is a different day and age that they're growing up in yeah and i think we can probably learn from them a little bit too you know um from some some aspects of it but uh yeah i definitely don't i'm glad i didn't have to grow up in this this day and age and i'm glad i'm a little you know we were early to the youtube game as far as the throttle goes we got involved as a like a YouTube channel and using it as marketing very early on. So we kind of like grew with it. Yeah. Whereas if we were to start today, I think it would be a lot harder Yeah. and a lot, um, you know, a lot more to learn 
because we learned as we went mm -hmm. right so that wasn't like a super steep learning curve we were like pick up from zero today <laughs> what an uphill battle it would be yeah i have creators reach out to me all the time and say how did you guys get where you are and it's like well we we worked our asses off that's how we got here and that's almost always the answer right yeah you know yeah um you didn't build this bolt business overnight to For some sure. people it may look like that yeah we've heard it yeah they say oh yeah, you sure. guys blew up i was like yeah it only took 12 years yeah. <laughs> right so and that's like youtube's the same way like, yeah you know i have creators that have reached out and said man i'm at like I'm, i've been doing this for two years and i only have three thousand followers or subscribers and it's like yeah i mean that's where we were mm -hmm. that's exactly what we did and you just have to be consistent and you you can't take a month or two off you have to go in knowing that it's a day job basically and that you may not get paid for a while for a long time i mean we probably didn't make any revenue off of youtube for the first few years that we were in it yeah but that wasn't our main business we were doing youtube to supplement our business to use it as a marketing tool yeah the business was running so if you're going into youtube thinking you're just going to start a channel and it's going to pop off overnight that ain't the case it yeah. doesn't work like that. You got to fucking just dive yeah, in. You got to want it, man. Yeah. YouTube doesn't make it easy. And if you're not consistent, you'll never see revenue. So did you notice that the, the views were getting, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, and it just grew like that? Or did you hit some sort of spurts that, okay, now we're in this level. Now we're in this level. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been a, cons a constant growth for our channel. Um, we we've been fortunate because we did start so early which was great and was one of the smartest things we did but um the growth has been very consistent for us we don't really do like the spikes gotcha we're constantly looking at the algorithm and how to change what we're doing to keep up to keep going with mm -hmm. the tra trajectory that we're on and uh you know by the end of the year we're hoping to hit two million subscribers Hell which yeah, is dude. to me is insane i mean we hit a million and i thought that was a milestone but two million and we're doing it faster than we got to the million. Wow. So the growth is there. And, you know, obviously people are, are very into cars. Um, so we're, we're in the right genre. Uh, we're doing some cool stuff. And, and I, I feel fortunate to, to even be involved with it because I get to do something I love every day. And it gets documented. Yeah. I can go back in 10 years and be like, yo, remember when we built that Civic? Check this out. And I can go back and rewatch it all. It's yeah. so cool. It's like documenting your whole life i i like to look at it as like time travel <laughs> yeah. you know because when, when you watch these videos it's it's not that you're just watching what happened you literally get into that feeling that yeah. you were in you're that in the moment, day yeah. and and where your life was yeah. at that moment and those are a lot of uh a lot of things that maybe if you, if your parents weren't into video like uh, home videos or pictures or things like that like bro a lot of my childhood i don't know what the hell <laughs> happen you know i know because I, we just don't have any memories and no. then my my daughter Same. i have pretty much every single day she's been alive for the last year and a half so she could be like oh what did i do when i was one in two months oh, here let me show you here yeah. this babe show your side of it christian yeah. show your side of it and she's gonna have yeah. everything it's so cool i i see like my friends having kids and stuff and like they'll they'll have a baby and it'll have an instagram page yeah like within its first few months of being alive and and that's cool because it allows the family to kind of get an update yeah. on the child which is cool but man i was thinking about that the other day like 
what if when they're 20 they want to go back and oh i've had this instagram page since i was born essentially so crazy so your whole life is documented for the world to look at which can also be perceived depends on yeah kind of how you too, look but at like, it yeah um i never had that you know we had photo albums but man like you said who how often did the folks get out the the polaroid or or a camera that actually took film that you had to have developed and then wait for and yeah and did those pictures ever make it into the album or did they just get put away and lost sure. or thrown away like all of like not all of them a lot of our childhood memories are probably lost because of that um so yeah it's it's definitely a special time right now yeah and there's as we've discussed goods and bads i think of of it but uh it would be neat to have a full cataloged history of my life in front of me. I don't, my memory sucks. I don't, I don't really know if things that I think about really happened. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I just made them up. I've been playing ice hockey since I was three years old. I've had probably seven or eight concussions oh at this God. point. And my memory is shot. I can't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday half oh, the time. Shit. <laughs> Do you ever get afraid of like CTE? Yeah, absolutely. Really? 100%. Yeah. I would bet money I have it. Really? Oh, yeah. I've been punched in the face so many times, knocked down where I get up and all I see is stars or don't get up. Like it's, that's some scary stuff, man. And you don't know, like you, you know, as a human, like you're inside yourself, you don't know, like, should I remember that? Or Mm. is it normal to forget that? Like, it's tough. Like, yeah. How do you know? How do you know? I I don't know how other people's brain works. So I don't know if my brain's working right or is wrong. I'll be forgetting a lot of shit sometimes. (laughs) Well, that's just age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. But yeah, no, it's, it's scary shit, man. And like, you know, we, I think sometimes we kind of, uh, we look at professional sports athletes, especially contact sports athletes, athletes, football, hockey, uh, boxing, MMA, and oh man, that dude made forty million dollars. I was like, yeah, but he his brain might be scrambled. Yeah, and that's sad for sure. Was I mean, it Muhammad Ali, right? Muhammad Ali, Junior Seau, killed himself. Mm, yeah, that's C- right. CTE. Like what is the Dave Mira? Mira, same thing. So it's it's scary. And so you know, I don't mean to take anything away from other contact sports. You know, obviously Mira was a BMX guy, and he I'm sure he had his fair share of falls and concussions. It's scary, man. Like, uh, it's a reality that anybody that's played a contact sports deal with skateboarding, mm-hmm. falling all the time. I'm sure you hit your head. Yeah. Um, you know, helmets are great, but they're not perfect. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, it's scary, dude. I, I don't want really don't really to get off on a tangent, but like, it nah, is. that's all good, <laughs> uh, When you have, uh, if you do have kids in the future, are you going to want them to play hockey? Hell yeah. Really? Yeah, that's what, like, I think we said this in the first podcast, but all of most people that are watching this or listening to this uh, see me as a car guy, but I'm I'm actually a hockey guy that is into cars. <laughs> like, hockey is my, my first passion. Ice hockey is my first passion and love, and uh, I've been skating since I was 15 months old. Mm. Like, I oh was God. skating the minute, the, literally the minute I could walk, and my mom had me on. So I still have my first skates in a shadow box hanging up there like this big. Oh, no way. And... Um, it is the one thing that I'm the most passionate about. Like you are with skateboarding is how yeah. I am with ice hockey. Like I have all the current gear and like I, I play multiple times a week and it's the one thing that I, if I live for anything outside of my relationship with my significant other, it's hockey. Mm. Um, and then cars. Yeah. So, so cars come, you see how passionate I am about cars. Now imagine that double 
yeah <laughs> for something else you ever think about taking that into like a youtube space hockey yeah nah no there's um that's my private time man for that's, sure like a lot of other youtubers that play hockey you'll see them do social media posts from the rink and stuff and if you go back through my feed you'll probably see a handful of pictures of me playing hockey i it's like when I go there, that's my off time. That's mm. my, I turn everything off and I just go have fun. And, uh, it's weird now because I, I play a pretty aggressive game or at least I used to. And, uh, I was all, like, I like to mix it up and stuff and chirp on the ice, you know, talk shit and have fun. And I can't really do that anymore because of what we've built on YouTube. Mm. So I get recognized on the ice now. And if I'm a dick or I run somebody over or, it's not a good look, right? So I have to be cognizant of that. You mean from from people watching spectators or like people no, that you're playing people on the ice? Really? Yeah. So you like, would think that that's like part of the culture. It is, man. But like when you get, especially to get to my age, I'm mid forties, and um, they don't really have checking hockey anymore. So it's kind of like transitioning from fast pitch baseball to slow pitch softball. Mm it's not that drastic. I mean, the game is still fast. You're still taking slap shots. You're still running into people, but you're not like, you're not like really fighting anymore. Like you're not like choreographed, dropping the gloves, getting after it. Like it, it's a step back, but some guys still keep the level up here. So it does get chippy and shit happens, but yeah. like, it's not as uh, like when you go watch an NHL or an AHL hockey game, like, you know, something happens on the ice, the enforcer goes out and he handles it. A fight, fist fight happens, that message is sent, and they basically start over or or it carries on. Another fight will happen. In, in hockey, I always try to explain to people that there's a game inside a game that happens on the ice. And if you're not a hockey player, you don't understand the game. You don't really know what's happening. The other game that's going on out there is an intimidation game. And so most teams used to, and some to this day still do have a guy that's like an enforcer that mm. his whole job is to go on the ice and handle business, either get in a fight and take care of something that happened to uh, one of the superstars, like maybe got checked from behind or slashed or something. The coach will send the other, the enforcer out and he'll go find that guy that did it and he'll beat the crap out of him. Basically that's the game in the game. Mm. And so it's kind of like whoever has the nastiest enforcer, is is going to come out ahead because gotcha. you're not going to take liberties on that team's superstars and they're going to have the open ice they need to score goals or make plays. Gotcha. So this whole game inside the game of ice hockey is actually really cool and is actually probably more exciting than the game itself. When When's the last time that you got in a fight on the ice? Uh, it's been years. Really? Yeah. You miss it? Yeah. What yeah. about... I out? like to fight. Yeah? How, how about <laughs> outside? Have you fought anybody? Uh, nah, not really. No? Not that I can talk about. Nah, <laughs> hell yeah, we'll talk after. I mean, shit happens, you know, like you know when you're young at the bar and stuff, and plenty of scuffles and stuff like that. But nothing where I ended up in handcuffs and hauled off to jail or nothing. Have you ever been arrested before? Uh, yeah, yeah, for being stupid. Yeah, doing dumb shit, TP in houses and stuff like that. You got arrested <laughs> for that? What the hell, man? That was a that was a lifetime ago, brother. Oh, it was Ohio. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh shit. Dude. Yeah, I've had my license suspended. I've I've done some really dumb shit when I was in my late teens and early twenties and stuff like that you know, you look back and it's like it was stupid. Like why did you do that? That was really dumb. For the memory. But you learn. Yeah, and carry on. Yeah. Yeah. 
one thing I learned is don't do dumb shit in cars because you can, it's one thing to like put yourself at risk, but it's another thing to put everyone else around you at risk. So like I've seen some bad shit happen. I had some, some friends die in high school from just driving too fast on a back road, lost control and killed, you know, everyone in the car. And it's like, I learned from that lesson a long time ago. It's like, dude, just, we have racetracks. We have these places you can go and do this stuff and not jeopardize your friend's lives or anyone else around you, friend or not. Yeah. It's, so like, those are the types of things. Like I don't screw around with that stuff, man. Like I, I learned that lesson a long time ago, which is good, man. And you know, we've all been through that before. Mm-hmm. Look back at it. I think everybody experiences it at some point. Yeah. So it's hard to tell somebody like, don't, but mm-hmm. just, just don't. <laughs> yeah. It just does. Well, and the other thing too, is like you're on cars every day. Like we are, you get calloused to yeah. that. Like, people try to impress you like by doing something in a car it's like dude that that doesn't it's not impress, impress it's not impressive yeah. like i've people been doing that on the racetrack drifting events stuff for for years and years and years like i've seen it a million times i don't yeah. need you to show me on the street yeah because you're you look like a fool you're you're gonna hurt somebody yeah and just sometimes that that judgment gets a little clouded when somebody pulls up next to you and you're like what's up with them it's like sometimes when i do get caught up in that mm-hmm. like when that thought comes into my head like yo bro you need to slow down like you got a family like that's <sighs> that's usually it kicks in yeah that's a realization that i've never had because i i don't have children or like you know i'm not married yeah um i have a significant other which you know i would hate to leave her um so like yeah i, I don't know i i'm really like i'm pretty proactive about keeping that shit off the streets man. yeah like yeah. i try to participate in any any activities that uh fight against the the takeovers and street racing and that shit so. for sure so you would never go to a takeover no you don't see any enjoyment in it no what is that in me that i just see it and i'm just like i would just want to watch why do i, I like i think why it's, do I like chaos, it's like, it's like watching a train wreck dude. right like i get it i understand i just well i don't understand <laughs> I do and I don't like I it's like a train wreck. This is the best way to put it is yeah. like it's hard to turn away and not watch because shit's going to happen. But like yeah. shit's going to happen. So I don't want to be involved in that, man. I don't want to get taken out or take somebody out like that's Yeah, that's I would not. I would feel terrible. I, I, I think the closest that I've been to that is like a Krispy Kreme meat. Uh, you ever been to those no. Krispy Kreme Tuesdays? You no. know, oh maybe that's just more more of this area. But uh, the Krispy Kreme in Burbank, I they love started Krispy doing. Kreme. Oh, dude, <laughs> me too. They started doing like um, like pop up meats. Okay, just like uh, they they yeah like a pop up meat or whatever. Hey, we're all meeting. And yeah, it just became like a culture thing. Okay, so fucking huge. And one of the last ones that I went to, it's I remember standing on top of. Like the the little house that the dumpsters are in, oh, yeah. and I'm on the roof watching donuts and burnouts yeah. and everything. Probably I'm like, the safest place you can. This be. is crazy. <laughs> so that's probably that that Frank's still in me that would be like, damn, I want to go to a takeover and just watch from far. But then I'm like, fuck no, dude, Man, hell no. Just go to the next drifting event, Formula D, amateur. Will they go let me go drive? rent the track, dude. You can rent Apple Valley for a couple hundred bucks for a whole day and go just, just blow your shit up to your heart's content, brother. <laughs> and, and there's no chance of hurting anybody but yourself, maybe. 
Yeah. And I can live with that. If I hurt myself, it's one thing. But man, if I hurt somebody else, I would never live it down. For sure, dude. I couldn't live with myself. Bro, I've seen one, uh, my buddy Jay sent me a video where they're, I, I don't know, I think this is the, the thing of, of tape covers is they're getting more and more outrageous. Mm-hmm. There was somebody doing a haircut, giving someone a haircut in the middle and people. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I swear to God. Tell me, this, tell me this is on social media. It is. Somebody tag Mickey uh, in the video. This is a fucked up or a video, bro. No, nah, please don't tag He's me. getting an Edgar, dude. They're giving him the Edgar, and they're fucking just doing burnouts around. Tell you him, fall dude. out of the car or something good? No, I, I don't know what happened after that. It but seems like every one of those videos, somebody's getting run over or falls out of a car. I've probably seen at least ten people. Or are those die the only on ones that videos. make the make probably? The cut. <laughs> I'm sure they go on every single night, and just the the most viral ones. Like I was saying, this is cool. a fucked up world. <laughs> it's crazy, man. But I mean, whatever goes viral. You know, I, I think that's what people are on. Yeah. Like, uh, one of my favorite viral videos as of late was that flying Tesla, dude. <laughs> that video, dude, that's the, the craziest shit. The minute I woke up to, you got to understand when you're in the space that we live in, like on YouTube and stuff, Yeah. everybody thinks they're your friend, which is fine. Yeah. I'm okay with that. So I get DMs from stacks of DMs from people. And it's usually when something like that happens, I get flooded with, did you see this? Yeah. Oh, you got to check this out. Or, you know, whatever. Somebody made a fake throttle account and they're trying to give us, get our credit card number. Ah, so gotcha. I get flooded with all this stuff. So I have to like filter through. But man, when that car went over that hill, I must have got 600 DMs. No like, shit. bro you gotta see this and like they a lot of people out there in the world think that every youtuber is friends with every youtuber got you and so i don't know alex yeah i've never met him um so i don't i don't judge people until i meet them and make my own decision but uh that was fucking stupid yeah for sure (laughs) and i don't know if he had any involvement at all it seemed like well it was his meat i don't know who they from from what it looked like or what he was saying was the car was rented from oh Toro and the guys, he had no idea who the guys were because it was just a Tesla meet oh, that, okay. that he threw. Um, Goes to show how in tune I am. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what the fuck really happened? And of course, after that video comes out, maybe in the heat of it, you're just like, that was so fucking cool. But after that, you're probably having so many problems arise that you're just, your lawyer's probably like, yo, you need to get as far away from this shit as possible. But that was insane, dude. Yeah. I couldn't imagine uh, being in the seat of that car. I mean, that's, that's a hell of an impact for sure. <laughs> that, dude. Those cars aren't light. And there was a cat in there. They found a cat like, in the car. Like, no, like a stray cat. They found it. The guys who, who, uh, who jumped the uh-huh. Tesla and they had the cat inside the car with them when, <laughs> And you're telling me this wasn't a social media stunt. <laughs> it was a stunt for damn sure. Dude. <laughs> well, at least now we can sit back and laugh about it. For sure, right? Have you guys ever went viral for a, for a reason that you weren't happy about? No. Um, we don't really shoot content to attempt to be viral. I, if it happens, cool. And hopefully it's something like upstanding because mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to. I'm totally not that guy. Yeah. Um, you know, we, 
we see YouTube and, and doing social media as a means to an end for our business. Mm. Um, of course, viral content will drive sales for car parts or merchandise, but like that's not our motivation whatsoever. Um, so of course we want to make exciting content. If it goes viral, great, but it's never going to be some silly stunt or, uh, clickbait crap that, that you see so often. I don't, I think we're a little more pure than that. Yeah, for sure. And for better or worse, you know, you can look at that and, you know, all those guys are lame because they don't chase that shit. But I, yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends on your end goal and then you, you just, yeah everything you're doing is towards that um our youtube channel is strictly a marketing tool to basically promote the business promote us as individuals car builders and the hobby and to essentially sell and bring awareness to the car parts and uh, merchandise that we sell and the sweepstakes that we do so you can understand where we have to kind of toe the line too we start pushing it too far it can become contrived and and then you start losing following and that's what we don't want. So. Yeah. So with all of the uh, social media platforms out there, minus YouTube, what, what do you feel is, is the next most important one for content creators watching now? Oh man. So it's weird because like for sports, I feel like Twitter is still like really relevant. Like mm. I follow a lot of the NHL hockey teams and, and I get all of my good information from Twitter gotcha. about trades and re-signings and salaries and all that stuff. Um, for content creators, I definitely, you know, YouTube's where it's at, but uh, Instagram is still the king, still? I think. Um, we, we utilize TikTok quite a bit, and we have, you know, one of our staff members, is that's his whole job, is, is essentially creating TikTok and Reels for Instagram. So I kind of look at, you know, Instagram's kind of hedging towards TikTok or is not even hedging. I think they're basically bigger so they're like encroaching on tiktok's model Mm. so that's why reels have become so popular and why you're getting rewarded for doing reels over stories or 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 uh or post feed posts but uh i think you know tiktok is i i'm not that involved with it i don't i have a tiktok account but i don't post on tiktok i only focus on instagram and our youtube channel so for me it's hard to say like TikTok is gaining traction or losing traction because I don't spend time on there. Got you. Um, I see the value in it from our business's standpoint. I don't see the value in it from my personal standpoint. Um, again, I'm not trying to grow my personal Instagram and stuff gotcha. to build a brand. Okay, for I'm, sure. I'm throttle. I'm Mickey from Throttle, and I grow the Throttle brand. That's for sure. I get you because that's my business. I think that that's kind of the way that I've been looking at it as of late. Um, you know, although I, I am downstar. Yeah. Um, well, that's where the, it kind of is a blurry line. It's, it, it is. And, and the, uh, like the way you have to be on social media for your, for your, whatever your, your channel or mm-hmm. for your personal Instagram or what have you to grow. Mm-hmm. It's more than I'm willing to put into it right. at the moment. Yep. So if you go to my personal Instagram, maybe I'll post on the story every once in a while and a post every, you know, like every week mm-hmm. or so. But that's just because it, it it's just too taxing, yeah, bro. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. And the value, I don't I, I don't that. feel is really there for me personally. To grow your personal brand. My personal brand. Yeah, the the onus is on growing your your business. Exactly. And and that's the same way I feel. 
um i you know i obviously post on me so i try to post as much as i can but you know i'm not in my 20s i'm not in my early 30s um my focus is not to be the most popular person um on social media i could honestly care less yeah um and if it weren't for the throttle youtube channel i you know i would have just probably been tinkering on instagram and stuff um but it is important for us to to have a presence yeah. as an individual uh so that it brings validity to what we're putting out on youtube so again we're using these social media platforms as a catalyst for the business it's not yeah. it's not a um it's not a cash grab it's not a popularity contest none of that stuff yeah for you guys for us yeah i mean it, it, every business is different every person is different uh, and there's plenty of people i know that make their whole living off of instagram yeah or tiktok or the, you know all of them combined yeah sometimes i'll just get sucked into it especially you have like a good day or mm -hmm. something yeah and then you want to just keep they it going all, and feed, it's the, like, feed the beast and then yeah. it just keeps going and going and then where do you draw it's like fuck dude this is too yeah. much yeah i i'm sure your fault or your visitors here get get the gist i'm a pretty private person and uh, what you see on youtube is a very small portion of my life um i don't post a lot of personal stuff on my instagram even like i feel like we need to have that space of private life versus what the world sees um and you know you won't see even a lot of pictures of even my significant other in mm -hmm. my instagram just because that's my private life yeah. that's to me that's near and dear and close to my heart and i don't feel like i need to be pushing that in everybody's face all the time mm -hmm. like uh, car builds that's another story people love to see car builds so most of my content is going to be stuff that i've built or worked on or yeah. something i'm proud of um it's not to say i'm not proud of my girl or i'm not proud of what i did at hockey last week or whatever like i am yeah but i just don't feel like it's the world needs to know that got you so maybe i'm weird but i don't know just different generations man yeah you know i like to have a private life i don't need everybody in the world to know everything about me that's okay yeah they don't you know so what is something that uh the world doesn't know about you maybe you could give us just a little morsel bro something mm. that, like represents mickey uh hockey i mean that's the one morsel i think i've already given you guys that's Do you still like, have all your teeth yeah uh yeah and yeah they're all here they're they they're in parts and stuff but oh. yeah <laughs> no i don't have any flappers um a bunch of my buddies have the the one two three teeth flappers but uh, my front teeth are halves and part you can see if i smile and you look close you'll see lines and stuff where they've been snapped off and oh, rebuilt <laughs> would you ever get a just a whole new grill bro i'm not that vain ching, ching, ching. No, I'm not that vain, man. Like, uh, as long as I can chew food and I'm not in pain <laughs> and that my teeth aren't yellow, like I, I, I hygiene is important. So I take care of my teeth, but I'm not like, I don't need to go get full veneers or nothing like that. Some people are like super vain about yeah. that stuff. You're a simple man, Mickey. I kind of am. Give us something, dude. Um, what's your, uh, wh I'm a homebody. Oh, really? That's one thing a lot of people don't know. If I could just close my front door and be left alone like to watch videos or just to even do like a crossword puzzle or surf for Japanese car parts on Yahoo auctions. Like I'm just as happy just sitting there yeah. listening to 
music and being by myself as I am like on the YouTube channel. Like I, I'm pretty happy, like just to be left alone. I feel you. <laughs> I feel you on that, dude. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just uh, get a piece of paper and like my favorite pen is that pilot pen. Oh the yeah. One where it has the, yeah. you can see the ink in it. Yeah. Oh, I love that pen, yeah. dude. And I'll just draw and that's it. I'll just draw or, you know, just do something. I don't need yeah. to be like super stimulated Safe. all the time. Read a book or something like that. I put on some lo-fi on the on Spotify and I'll yeah, I have okay, so I I read very rarely do I actually read books, but if I do it's usually a book about like hockey stories, locker mm. room stories from like the Stanley Cup finals or like there's always like the backstory behind stuff. I like to read like the recaps on that stuff oh, from okay, the players point of view like real life shit like oh yeah we won the stanley cup and then we took it in the pool that night and drank beers out of it oh sick like all the behind the scenes you wouldn't get if you weren't part of the team so that stuff interests me uh one really weird thing about me that a lot of people don't know is like i think i'm addicted to um buying brochures and toys of the cars that i build i have a whole collection in one of my closets of like the factory manuals and like um the dealership brochures of almost every car I've built. Really? So in fact, one of the cars I have right now that I'm building, that's not even, it's not on a YouTube channel. It's barely on my Instagram. I have a, an RX seven RZ. It's a very limited production car. I think 1500 were made. Um, I have all the brochures and all the factory optional manuals and stuff I collect. That's awesome. And it's like stuff that like, it only makes me happy. Yeah. Like, and it's it's not even that like the books are valuable to me it's just more of like a checkbox of like yeah i have this special car and i have all the brochures for it and the rz is actually going to be a catalog car so oh, okay. what i i think what motivates me is the thrill of the hunt of actually trying for to sure. find all this shit that's 30 years old that probably barely exists anymore because it's worn out broken thrown away whatever um the rz actually has like every factory option from the catalog mm. and I've hunted all those pieces Wow! and got them shipped from Japan or some of the stuff came from New Zealand, Australia, like just finding these pieces and acquiring them in good condition that's usable and putting them on the car. So when I sell this RZ, it's literally going to come with all of that stuff plus the books. And like, yeah, to me, that's like a really cool thing about a car when you buy it, if you get all that shit, the one thing I'm missing is the window sticker. And so I think window stickers are like the holy grail of. Oh, okay. What, what is it called? Car. Like a Maroni or something like that? I don't know. Maybe. I don't like know. the one that says breakdown of all the prices. The one that's on the glass door window when yeah. you buy the car. I like, think that's what it's called. Whenever I've bought a new car, I've always, you know, had the dealer either take that off and put it in the glove box or I scrape it off myself, fold it up and put it in the glove box yeah. in the manual. Uh, some of these cars that I'm buying now from the nineties, I wish I had that as like the complete kit. Like here's your factory service manual. Here's all the brochures that were available at the dealer that year that that car was available. Oh, shit. And here's the window sticker. And these are all the, the upgrades that I've found and put on the car. And they're right here in the book. Like I recently got a set of, I've only ever seen two sets of these wheels for the, the Mazda RX seven. It's a, an optional, wheel made by this company called Magtech. It's a 16 inch wheel, full magnesium construction. And the spoke design is actually rotors. 
Oh, wow. So I actually found a set. They're on the cover of the catalog on a black RZ. So that was when I was like, I'm building this car. I went on the hunt for these wheels and I found them. Wow. And I got them. That's awesome, so dude. That's a weird tidbit about me. Okay. And it's We got one, guys. It comes down to like a lot of what people see on our YouTube channel that people call Mickey spec, which is like taking something to the nth degree and tweaking out on it. Like whether it's pain or it's fabrication or whatever. Just like, attention to detail. I just like things to be just so. And to me, that's normal. Mm. But to most people, apparently it is not normal. Yeah. Because I hear it all the time. So I don't know. It's just a little tidbit that like, you know, most people that, aren't in my life every day would have no idea i think even some of the guys at my shop don't even know yeah that i do that shit but i'm up till dude i told you on the way here i was up till 4 30 this morning bidding on a set of wheels in japan oh my god dude like, 4 30 yeah and i won them so like did I you could, sleep no i couldn't go back to sleep because so i went to oh, bed I did, I did <laughs> i put a bid in last night like 10 30 on the couch and then i set an alarm for 30 minutes before the auction ended so i woke up went downstairs yeah. out on my computer Pulled it up, watched, put my bid in again because it got outbid. Watched it until I won it. And then I tried to go back to sleep and I couldn't. So I got up, went to the car wash, washed the car, and, oh, and then drove here three hours. So. You sound like my wife trying to get some Jordans, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's pissed off because she doesn't get well, Yeah. And I, I lose a lot of shit, too. You know, like just it again, it's the thrill of the hunt, I think, that makes yeah. it exciting and fun for me. And, um, He's just borderline addictive. Mm. <laughs> so, but it's good. I don't have any other, like, I'm not, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. Like, do you, do you just not drink or you just, everyone's in a I while. love beer. Okay. But, gotcha. Uh, it's just not good for me. So mm. uh, it messes with my stomach. And um, I used to drink a lot of beer. I love IPAs and stuff. Okay. But, gotcha. Uh, started having some health issues from it. So gotcha. I just stopped cold turkey. What about uh, smoking? Nope. No. Have you before? Yeah, mm. but I was a distance runner in college. That's another thing, uh, okay. another tidbit. That was in the first, okay, we're in the first one, episode. Guys. So I was a distance runner in college and high school and junior high. And so smoking, when people usually pick up smoking is like, what, junior high, high school? Yeah. So because I was a distance runner, that's pretty counterproductive for gotcha. a runner. So I never smoked. I never picked up that habit. Um, and I don't know if you're talking about you're talking about cannabis or marijuana, the devil's lettuce. Bro. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm a pretty anxious person. Mm. Uh, I have a lot of anxiety in big crowds. This setting right here is my ideal setting. Hell yeah. I love one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but even like, you know, 4th of July weekend, we had to get together. And that for me is like, and then in my environment, in my home, inviting people over is very anxious for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's normal or if it's just me, but um, so I will, um, you know, I'll have a gummy or something here or there just to just help chill, you just out. to take the edge off, yeah. but it's not something I need to do. Um, but it's something that does help. Yeah. And I, you know, CBD, I do use a lot of CBD on my joints and stuff. As yeah. Well. Dude, shout out to, uh, Troy Alexander, one of my buddies from the cult. Oh yeah. You're in the cult too. <laughs> yep. yep. They, his, him and his family have a CBD company. And oh, nice. damn, I wish I had it. He just, I should hit him I, up. Yeah. I just got a package today because I haven't had it for a while, but he sent me out a package nice. and, uh, bro, I'll have that on me yeah. all the time. Same. My, After my, I get off the ice, I, I'm always, Oh the really? Knees, the elbows, the shoulders. Yeah. I've broken my shoulders and stuff, uh, on the ice, mm. uh, broke this shoulder in four places, oh separated God. this one. So when I get done, I'm like, 
I need to, as we age, we don't heal as fast. So like the CBD um, ointments and stuff. Yeah. Love it. But yeah, that's one of my... Uh, What's his company called? Oh my God. Actually, I Does think... You? I, I, it does, uh, Troy. I'm sorry, bro. But I'll show you after um, when we go back downstairs. Nice. But uh, yeah, I, I share the same, man. I'm very, I have a lot of anxiety and maybe that could lead to my success. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just always staying busy and just yeah, always for be, sure. be pushing forward. Yep. But it also is my, my demise as well mm-hmm. um, for those times that I need to turn off. And it, it, it's hard to turn off like i i don't really know how to explain it oh maybe other people with anxiety would know but it's just like i have to be doing something towards some sort of goal End we- game, yeah. whether that's you know finishing our new website or just washing the dishes mm-hmm. and and my wife isn't like that and it's hard for her to understand and sometimes it's like damn why why are why can't you just chill out right now so sometimes she'll be like why don't you just go smoke real quick and that's mm-hmm. kind of my my that's when you know, my sign yeah. where i'm like all right and then i'll go smoke and i'm chilling and i'm good mm-hmm. but i don't know like i don't know if that's the best way to deal with it i don't know if it's just face it head on because really it just feels like like a like a crutch to me yeah but like when do you take away the crutch if you like or if you're missing a leg, you know, <laughs> like, do you take away the crutch uh, or am I not crutched enough? Do I need to be more? I, it's, I think everybody's different and everybody yeah. has a, you know, a functional level. Um, I would never even think about um, smoking just to, just to get high. Yeah. Like that's just not in my DNA. Mm. It's not how I am. It's not how I'm wired. Um, I'm, I function just fine without any substances. So um, for me, it's, it is a crutch. Um, and, and the thing is, is like, like your chick, my chick can tell mm. straight away. Like, dude, you, you're very anxious right now. You need to chill out. Mm. And that's again, like you, that's my code to, to do that. Yeah. And I don't advocate it. Um, I don't even talk about it. Yeah. Most people don't even know that I do that. Um, because I don't do it too often, but it, it is, uh, for me, it helps. Yeah. So when I was in college, I was on Adderall. Mm. And, um, that's a scary drug, man. And that, um, got me through college. I, my grades got better. Like I was able to function better on it. Um, but man, did it have some scary side effects Really, and, uh, overpowering to a point where I felt almost helpless. Like I needed it. And mm. that to me, once I had that realization in my head, um, I took it for probably about a year, year and a half, and I realized I do not need this. I don't want this. It changes me chemically. I just, it's not for me. Yeah. And so I stopped, and I've never taken it again. Um, and I think that was kind of the light bulb that went on in my head that I don't need anything. I need to try to manage things myself. Yeah. And that's the one thing that's outside of my control is the anxiety. I don't sit still. Yeah. I, you know, I need to be doing something like you. Um, I very rarely will sit on the couch and just watch TV. Like this is just not who I am. Um, I have to be kind of doing something mm-hmm. whether it's, it could be surfing for car parts. Yeah. Or doesn't have to be shoes. significant. Right. It could be doodling, um, whatever. But yeah, yeah it's, um, I, you know, we all, I think we all have it to some extent. Um, I think ADD is kind of a scapegoat. I, yeah. I, I don't want to get flamed for that because I have it. 
Um, but I also think using it as a, I need to take a drug to calm this down, I think is kind of, is not always appropriate yeah, for everyone. For sure, dude. And Some people probably do need it. Yeah, I've never went to the doctor and tried to, you know, get diagnosed. I'm, or I'm clinically like that. diagnosed with it. I took really? tests in junior high, and I, and this was before ADHD. Mm. Um, I I took a bunch of these tests, like reading comprehension. You got the OG one, ADD, and that's when they knew I had that in high school. And then when I went to college, my grades were suffering. I was a fantastic athlete, and I had a full ride to college to be a runner, but I couldn't keep my grades up. And then I went on Adderall and my grades went straight What up. did it make you feel like? It didn't make me feel... Well, okay. It is a drug. Um, it, it, it basically ramps you up and then you crash. Okay. So like other like stimulants, it's just a similar thing. But when you do that crash, it allows you to focus. But the problem was I was staying up till 4, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning studying because I was able to focus and mm. do it. And that's when my grades accelerated did really well those semesters, but I didn't like the side effects of it and all mm. the things that came along with it. I'd rather get C's and D's than A's and B's For and sure. be normal and just take that as it is. I'm not a dumb person. Yeah. I just couldn't sit still long enough to read a book. The way they want you to the learn. The way they wanted work. me yeah. to learn. I had, sure. I had to figure out my own ways. And so kicking that stuff and getting off of that and getting, you know, just figuring out how, what worked for me was the best plan of attack. Yeah, no, I feel you. And you know, when I, when I was single or living by myself, it was a lot easier to manage because it's like, I'm not irritating somebody. And I know my wife wouldn't say that I'm irritating her, <laughs> but if I was around me, I wouldn't want to be yeah. around me yeah. in those times. It's like, why can't you just be happy right now? Yeah. And it's like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know why I can't, but I'm happy when I'm washing the car yeah. or cleaning the, washing the dishes or doing something. Yeah. Maybe I'm like an ant, dude. I have <laughs> ant DNA, bro. I know. I, I always tell people, I think I was born like a worker bee. I was meant to be a worker. Yeah. Like I just put me in the trenches, whatever. Yeah. I, put me to work. Um, I'll do a good job. Show me what to do. And let's <laughs> fucking do yeah. it, man. Let's get to yeah. that end goal. Yeah. But not everybody's like that. Right. And the way that I see, you know, being an entrepreneur is no matter who else it serves, it's, it's, it's my choice to want to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I can't take those, those stresses or what come with that and put that weight on my wife or my kids. Right. Because they'd be happy with dad. If dad got off work at six, and you know, I deal with that struggle every day, man, or every week. Yeah. Um, for the last, you know, whenever we started the business, it's, and even before then, even when I worked in corporate America, like, um, long hours were normal. Yeah. It was just because that's what, what I was happiest doing. Yeah. Or something needed to be finished. And I couldn't be, um, I could be bothered to leave because something wasn't done. And man, does that create a lot of stress and anxiety on a relationship mm -hmm. too? So for sure. And it's not, not even that the other person is just nagging you or what have you, but it's just like, I'm a very aware person and I'm aware when my time is going here mm -hmm. versus somewhere else, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's kind of been my focus now is that I want to be able to, to balance more where I'm just not really stressed out 
with work because that's the reason that I have my own business. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to be fucking stressed out reason, about yeah. things. So that's one of my motivations for like, like social media, you know, I'll try to put out as best content as I can, but usually that's just a landing spot for somebody. If they hear about Downstar, mm-hmm. what is it? Oh, let me check it out. This is what they sell. Exactly. But I don't need to have this many views or this many right. likes. It would be so sick if I did. Don't mm-hmm. fucking get me wrong, but I understand what the other side of that coin really is. And this yep. part in my life is I can't do that because that's going to interfere with my happiness. Yep. And my happiness is my number one goal now. Mm-hmm. And happiness, not a selfish be. happiness either sometimes it has to be selfish yeah i'm becoming more selfish as this world turns because Mm. everything's take 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 in the social media space and if you don't if you're not a little bit selfish you're just going to keep giving Mm -hmm. and there's no time for family there's no time for the things you want to do um i couldn't imagine if someone took away my, my my time with my fiance or my time on the ice i would i always wouldn't be me for like sure it would just be so unnatural yeah so you have to make that time yeah for sure man but i'm I'm glad that we talked about like anxiety because i i talk to people on the podcast about this every once in a while and it's more times than not that, that really shit just pop- oh yeah for sure is dude. there is there a common thread yeah like between the, the guests for sure it, it's it's uh, a lot of people that are very successful is mm. that they're they're very busy because they need to be <laughs> very busy because if they're not very busy there there's there's things that you there's questions that you have to answer yeah and there's like well why am i like this or why yeah. i'm like that but you don't have to address any of that shit if you're busy building your business mm-hmm. if you, you know you and you i see yeah. so many people use that as an excuse like oh i'm, I'm doing this i'm doing that like no, you're doing a million things so yeah. you don't have to stop and think about like yo where the fuck am i really at yeah in life yeah whether it's finances right it's whatever. whatever yeah you know because you could be a fucking millionaire and your kids hate you mm-hmm. and well. then one day you're gonna have to come to that realization and yep. maybe it's when you're when your kid has a kid and the, they don't late. want them to show you. yeah for sure yeah that's uh that's a scary thought yeah but let's uh let's turn it around a little yep. bit we want to talk about positive dude <laughs> i want to talk about your garage bro what do you got man what's the, what's the lineup look like right now uh honestly it's probably the best it's ever been hell yeah um, i shed a car last year mm-hmm. um i got rid of the sirs i sold mm-hmm. it to uh, a gentleman that came by the shop and, and made an offer on it. Mm-hmm. And um, I let that one go after having it for, God, a better part of 20 years. Oh, my God. So, and that goes back to our story of how we, how I actually found out about you. Is yeah. Because you also had an SIRS. And mm-hmm. when I was doing research, because my car was a rolling shell when I got it, I was doing research on the chassis itself and found you. That's crazy. Found your dude. build. Yeah. But I, I didn't talk to you for probably another five, six years after that, when mm-hmm. we met at uh, Weck, Weckfest, I think mm-hmm. it was in Long Beach. But uh, yeah, so my garage is less one EG. Mm. Um, I sold that car last year and uh, it's in a new owner's hands. It's been for a little over a year now. Um, and then what I do currently have is the Mazda RZ that I referenced earlier. So it's a black 1995 Mazda RX-7. I also have the Bad Apple, which was built on our Throttle YouTube channel. It was mm-hmm. kind of the jump off 
for our YouTube channel. Um, that car is dubbed the Bad Apple because of the color and it makes a lot of horsepower. Um, so that's a 93 FD RX-7. So I have two RX-7s. Um, I recently picked up a Nissan R32 as a joint project between myself and my fiance Courtney. Oh, very cool. So it's the first time we've done that. Um, we've worked on cars together, but this one we kind of, we both put in half the money and went and got it. Oh, sick. kind of a different take on a car build uh, because I want her to be involved. So I want both of us to have a vested interest in the car. Um, so we have the R32. Um, I also have the Stasia over in Japan. So it's mm-hmm. a 260 RS uh, Autech model. We have Courtney's S14, which is a car that we built back in, I think, 2006. It's kind of her, sort of her holy grail import car. She she absolutely loves it. We recently just had a bunch of work done uh, on it because, like the Civic, it had been sitting at the throttle shop for a year or two in storage, mm. and it got dings and dents and scratches, and I call it shop rash. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. We took it and dropped it off at SOS Customs uh, a few weeks ago, and they actually redid the whole exterior um and then we did the whole interior as well so the whole interior is now leather and suede inside it smells like a new car and sos did that yeah yeah they one of the things i love about sos customs if you're in the southern california area definitely give them a look because they're not just a paint shop or a collision repair shop they actually do everything yeah so literally dropped her car off um i had backed it into something in the shop and cracked the rear bumper so fiberglass repair, metal repair, uh, interior dashboards, door cards, you name it. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll mess with it. They'll even do engine swaps. Oh, wow. So like um, they're just a very well-rounded shop. So they're not the only shop that we use, but they're local to me. They're literally like 10 minutes up the road from oh, my okay. house. So I dropped the RZ off there. They're polishing the paint before Sevens Day, which is really cool. Um, and they're going to do some, they're going to reupholster the Recaros and the RZ as well. So I really like those guys, but um, to continue on with what's in the garage, um, I also have the F31 BMW that I drove up here, and that was a one one video transformation on the throttle channel. If I want to check that out before you leave too. Yeah, I mean it's it's a daily, but it's uh, it's pretty unique in in the way it looks and the way it was built. Um, and then we have Courtney's F30, and then she also has a 1981 Volvo. Oh wow, <laughs> two sixty four GLE, which is a really rare unusual model it had a peugeot motor in it six cylinder Mm -hmm. and uh it's a pile of crap (laughs) (laughs) the engine itself the car is actually nice but uh it's an 81 with like i think it got had thirty thousand miles on it when we got yeah it was a it was left to her in her grandma's will oh okay so it's a sentimental thing and uh hopefully we're gonna do something with that she she's really into the surf style oh okay uh, cars it's not a wagon it's actually a sedan so put a roof rack on it for me you put a i was wanting to put a 1jz engine in it for her and keep yeah. it automatic and keep the stock wheels and the patina and everything but uh, i don't know if we're gonna go that route or like a small block chevy or something but i want to get that done for her as got well you. um soon so we've got i think eight or nine cars at this point is it all at the same location or they're all spread out yeah um it's all they're all at the same location i currently i have the r32s in paint the <laughs> Bad Apple's in paint. Uh, RZ's getting polished. Her S14 just got out of paint. So 
aside from all the throttle projects, which are right now currently, I think there's four active projects. I also had four or five of my own active projects going on <laughs> personally. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm doing all this Yahoo auctions looking no for wonder you have anxiety, and dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's crazy is I, I actually um, thank God for Evan Beckerman, my partner, because he's, Evan. he's getting me. He's getting me sorted on the organization side of things. Like we have spreadsheets that him and I have worked to kind of create. And every car that I'm working on, whether it be personal or throttle, has its own spreadsheet with uh, retail costs, our costs Mm. on parts and paint budget. And like everything's budgeted and it's all there on the spreadsheet. So I can see what I've spent, where I've spent it, what the car's value is on paper. Previously, it was like, oh, yeah, I probably got about 30 grand in this one, you know, give or take 10 grand. So it's nice to be organized and have, gotcha. that, have that ability to just pull up a spreadsheet and be like, oh, yeah, I've got $50,000 in this car. So when I sell it, I don't sell it for 45, for thinking sure. I had 30 in it. Yeah. So, which I've done. I've sold cars for losses before, mm. like an idiot. And yeah. now I'm a little more organized. So now, most of the time, it's a loss. Yeah, yeah if, unless cars, unless you play it right. Yeah, and so with the the economy the way it is, and with the '90s Japanese cars becoming so iconic, and now becoming um, somewhat limited at this point. Mm-hmm. Like even just trying to find a clean EG these days is like pulling teeth. Yeah, let alone EK, they're hard to find. Hard to find as well. We're still gonna talk, bro. I'm planting. <laughs> oh, seeds. you got that EG, huh? <laughs> I'm planting seeds. Ah, I could be open for that. All right, but anyway, that's 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 the fleet, um, and I've got one or two others that I'm hush. actually going to be looking at when I'm over in Japan. So, oh okay, we'll see. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, so let's talk about the, the selling of the EG, dude. Since I have the same car, bro, <laughs> I couldn't see selling it, man. So talk me through that. Yeah, so I know you had that combo in the mirror. Like your, uh, like your EG, um, that one had a lot of sentimental value to me. Uh, it was a car that basically I got almost straight away after I moved out to California. So I saved it from being crushed. It was a, a rolling shell that was brought in from Japan as a parts car. It was stripped down. All the parts were sold and it was about to be scrapped. Um, I traded, I told you guys in the first episode that I traded a set of Falcons for it when I worked at Falcon, got the chassis, brought it home. It sat for four or five years, um, unattended to. Once I had the budget, I started hunting all the parts down. And that's where I eventually found you is because I was looking for what were the appropriate parts for an SIRS model. Mm. And your car was pretty complete. So I was looking at your photos of your, you're doing your engine bay, but I'm like looking through the window yeah. in the pictures, <laughs> like trying to see what, what pattern was on the seats yeah. and what center console it had and all that, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, so, you know, here we are. It's, I guess that was like 2008. So here we are all these years later and the car's done. Like mm-hmm. I've literally found all of my Holy Grail parts that I wanted for it. All the Mugen stuff and the rare center lock wheels and upgraded clutch and LSD and all the stuff that I did to it. And the car had just been sitting for like two years inside throttle. It was mm-hmm. kind of like a, a showpiece in the background. But as I was mentioning with Courtney's S14, uh, it gets a lot of shop rash just sitting around. Like people drop stuff, things fall over in the shop, or somebody's not careful and they back into something. So it was just starting to get 
worn and mm-hmm. I didn't like that. Like I'd spent so much time and uh, put so much care into the car, stripping it down to bare metal, having it all repainted, custom paint, you name it. And it was just getting, it was just starting to get worn on. So um, a gentleman came through the shop. He heard about the car, came to look at it. <clears throat> I didn't think much of it. Um, I knew what I wanted. If the car was going to leave, it was going to take a pretty steep number to take mm-hmm. it from me because I knew what I had in it. Um, and I knew that they're becoming harder to find in that condition. And then the SIRS is just a special car. They only made a handful of them in Japan only. Mm-hmm. So he came back at me a couple of weeks after he came to see the car and said, yo, I want it. And this is the number. And in my head, I'm like, well, and I'm not going to sell it. Yeah. But then I started analyzing the number that he gave me and what I had in the car and if there was going to be opportunity in the future to actually get that number for the car again. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like playing the stock market. You don't know. I mean, it could double in value yeah. in 10 years. I don't know. Who knows? It could be the next 69 Camaro. Mm-hmm. Um, or Chevelle. Yeah. Any of those cars. That's a car I have, 69 Chevelle. Oh, you have one? <laughs> yeah. Damn. So you get it. It's like... It's one of those things where I saw an opportunity to get out from underneath the car that was just sitting and basically collecting dust. I wasn't enjoying the car. Um, it was time for someone else to enjoy it, and the price was right. So I took the money, uh, sold him the car. I thought he would be a good steward to the car as well, which he has been. Um, he takes good care of it. It still looks exactly the same as when I had it. He just put a couple stickers on it. And, mm-hmm. um, he's been enjoying it, and he's using it as a catalyst to get his... Uh, to get his YouTube channel up and running. So mm. I, I, I was all about it. Like I, it yeah. took me a little bit to get on board with it, but I thought he was doing it for all the right reasons. And I felt it was like a, it was a good stepping stone for him to get his stuff going as well. So, um, the gentleman that bought it's name is Garrett and he, he has a YouTube channel called exotic envy. And he's been, he's been doing a lot of moving and shaking in the YouTube space. Mm. Um, slowly growing his channel and, uh, just having fun. He's got a couple little kids. They love the EG. He nice. put the car seats in the back. No one had ever sat in the back seat since I built the car. Yeah. And so the, he showed a video on Instagram of him with his two kids in the back. And it like, it gave me goosebumps. I was so happy that uh-huh. I sold the car to him because they were enjoying it as a family. And that's at the end of the day, like it just put a smile on everybody's faces. So that was, that was really nice. And, um, I felt really good about selling it to him. So yeah, that's that. So the EG has moved on to him, yeah. And uh, I think he's getting ready to revamp the car. He's gonna kind of put his own spin on it. Oh, so okay. Kind of a sad day for me. Yeah. But uh, I've had my time with it, so yeah, I'm at peace with that. I guess sometimes you just have to look at it like that. You've mm-hmm. had your time, you know. Uh, as for me, like the right hand drive, that and the Chevelle, it they can never leave yeah and if they do leave the titanic is sinking <laughs> you know hey if the if the eg gets sold guys you know frank's hurting <laughs> go fund me please <laughs> go fund me don't sell the sirs i'll be homeless in the right <laughs> hand we'll sleep in the chevelle and then we'll take the right here, hand here. and i'll be the daily here's the deal you sell it to me and then when you get back on your feet you can have it back that's why you gotta have friends like mickey bro for sure dude but that's a special car i get it dude like i'm in that spot with the the gray hatch the heavy in the street Mm -hmm. cg i love that car man and 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 that car is like has so much of the downstar identity to it yeah for sure it has so much history to it but i'm at the point of it which i don't i'm not sure if i want to go to that next the Mm -hmm. the next level because i don't see any value in it and um value for the business 
because value for me personally would not be to build another Honda. Right. Because I know exactly what bolt goes where, what goes here. It's it's nothing. It's just putting putting Legos together. Mm -hmm. So selflessly, I would love to see that car go on and have its have its uh, another life. Mm -hmm. Because that's that's the realization I came to. That that car has history. Mm -hmm. It that car belonged to Ryan Hegner, Mm -hmm. which is the one who runs the The Ibach meet now, the Honda meet. Yep. After he sold it to uh to I forget the name uh, I think it's uh, Gil's brother from he used to own Circuit Hero mm. so when they had that car it had its own life it got K swapped it was on cover of Honda Tuning really you know I and, didn't know that history. yeah and then I got the car from from them they sold me the shell and then I bastardized the car put Lambo doors on it and you know perjure and I remember when you were building that car <laughs> I was like man. This guy's gone off the deep end, but I, I appreciated it because you like were taking a step back with that yeah, car. Yeah, for that sure. That was really cool. For sure. I, I just had nads on the pod and we were talking about it. And that car was the car that I did everything to that I wanted to do to a car when I didn't have the means. Mm-hmm. So there was a point where I wanted nitrous. There was a yeah. point where I wanted Lambo doors, underglow, and it all just mixed now up. Now you can do into it. One, yeah, yeah, now I could do it. So it just mixed up into one car. Sure. But I'm done with it. So we'll see what what the future holds for that car. But uh yeah, I, I get it, dude. There's there's always those cars that somebody has that they just can't let go. Mm-hmm. And that the I feel like that with the right hand because that was the reason that I'm here to this day. Yeah. If it wasn't for that car, there would be well, there would be a downstar, but it probably wouldn't have to do with cars or bolts or anything. Yeah. So with mine, other than sentimental value and, and hunting out all those parts and stuff over the years, that was the only real value that had to me was just the memories mm. where for you, you built a brand off of your car. Yeah. I did not build a brand off of the Civic. For sure. Um, I would say if any car I have that I built or helped build our brand off of, would it be my RX-7? Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be the hard one to sell for me, the bad apple. Um, but it will be going up for sale at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on version two of it right now. It's going to look completely different and, um, it's an animal. And, uh, as I get older, I'm finding that, um, horsepower numbers aren't as important for sure. Um, I think I've found like kind of where the, the, uh, good area is for horsepower on most of these nineties Japanese cars. And, that one exceeds it by almost double. Mm. So um, it's a great car. Uh, I love it, and it'll always mean something to me, but I think my time with it, I've done what I can with it, and I think somebody else is, it's time for somebody to enjoy that thing. Yeah. Um, take it to the track, do whatever, enjoy it. It's car shows, whatever. It's it's amazing, but and it will be hard to get rid of. Yeah. But in the space that we're in, cars kind of easy come easy go yeah a little too and there are regretful ones like i wish i had my 8.6 back but it's gone somebody's enjoying it and it still looks the same as it did when i sold it so like you can't really ask for much more than that it lives on has a good life and you know what they they really live on bro if you if you look at anything anything here it's gonna have a life after you're done with it yeah like you're only in you're only in possession of things for a certain amount of time. Yep. However long that time is, is up to you or whatever it is. But like those cars are going to continue. It's not like when you sell it, that it just disappears. Right. Until it does disappear. Yep. Whether then it's 
melted down or or what have you yep. you know but these things they 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 have a life of their own maybe not a life like we have because they don't have their, different yeah. but they do have their own life and their history mm-hmm. and like i was saying the heavy in the streets eg like that was a huge part of ryan hegner's life right and then of the circuit hero's Hero guys, life yeah. and then of my life and then now somebody else and that car has its own sort of history which is like a beautiful thing man well there's something neat to like like even the the white egsirs that i sold like seeing it live on in the same fashion as how i built the car um i don't know the state of the engine anymore the clutch i don't know any of that stuff Mm. like i i don't drive the car so whether the guy's maintaining it i don't know all i know is what i did yeah and that car to me was like the perfect eg spec yeah um what means the most to me is that he's driving it he's enjoying it with his family and his kids like to me that's that outweighs any like passion i still have for the car yeah the fact now if he took it he bought it he put it in a bubble in the garage and it's just sitting there then i would feel pretty dumb yeah um because i could do the same thing i didn't need to sell the car yeah i just thought it was a good opportunity to get my finances back out of it and put it in the hands of somebody that's going to enjoy it yeah um and so far so good so i hope you're able to if you ever have to find the same sort of situation no i'm selling it to you you already said i'll uh, yeah. sell it to you and I'll, I'll buy it back later i'll take good care of that for the car. same price mickey i'll take good care <laughs> of that car all right mickey so let's get to throttle bro Kay. what what paint paint the picture for us that you have in your head what is throttle going to look like for the next oh boy six months year and beyond what are you guys cooking well rapid growth um obviously we we've like supercharged this business uh, over the past i guess seven years now mm-hmm. but uh, the last couple of years have been really great for the business uh a lot of you probably don't know that we were actually acquired mm. uh by a an investment group back in december which is which is awesome. It's great for us. Um, it's going to help us grow this thing even faster and even better than what we could have done on our own dime and our own time. So um, having a big brother, so to speak, behind us is is massive and it's going to allow us to do the things that we probably weren't going to be able to do by ourselves. Uh, it also opens up a lot of uh, professional individuals that are working on the team now that we wouldn't have been able to afford or had that are very smart and can help guide us because we were just basically doing what we knew best. Mm-hmm. And um, that worked for us. But for sure, you got the attention. You get to a point where um, you, you're going to learn a lot of hard lessons along the way. Um, you get to a point where you, you see some success, but then you fail. And then you have more success and you fail. It's just like, it's just uh, you've seen it, I'm sure you're an entrepreneur. Uh, but having a big brother behind you that has finances, has a team of staff that is available for you to help guide mm. and um, send you off in the right path and pat you on the butt and say, you're doing a good job. Keep doing what you're doing. That is so much more helpful than you could ever imagine. Um, it's something that we needed um, structure wise as a company, and it's going to help us um, grow this to be a massive entity in the future beautiful man yeah we really want to be a you know a massive player in the the auto part sales space and uh be providing car parts to all the enthusiasts that are out there not just a small niche group of people so we're really trying to uh, get trucks involved on the site because we're mostly japanese and euro brands now we're, we're adding a lot of trucks we're adding 
I think we added 40,000 wheel wheel part numbers in the last uh, four months, five months, six months, something like that. Um, so we've got a heap of wheels and then next will be tires. And it just, man, it's just given us the ability to grow this thing and add a lot more products to the page and, and uh, make us more available to the general public. Damn. Congratulations, bro. Thank you. That's yeah, it's, awesome. It's, uh, it's definitely something that I think we all, all by all, I mean, the, the founding partners uh, strived for since mm-hmm. the beginning. We knew this was the direction we wanted to go. We just didn't know how long it was going to take to get there. Um, it, you know, in our eyes, we wanted to get there in in a year or two, but yeah. it took you know almost I think seven or six. Yeah, so. I mean the value's in the journey mm-hmm. itself. You know. Yeah, dude. The the learning experience along the way is you you don't you can't learn that stuff unless you do it for sure. And so um, that's the probably the most valuable thing I took away from from starting the business with the partners and helping them grow it to where it is today. And now seeing an acquisition take place and going through that process, uh, it's exciting and it's uh, it's neat and it it gives us a whole new outlook for the future. Very cool, man. Mickey, I love talking with you, bro. <laughs> two and a half hours dude. has it been that long like nothing bro <laughs> i like think last nothing. one was like three something. we're almost at three <laughs> last time dude okay but uh dude That's i love everything that you guys are doing and um i wanted to to thank you for the support that you guys give us man oh it's our pleasure you uh i wanted to say obviously thank you to you as well um but i didn't really get a chance last time before we cut it off to uh, acknowledge the fact that you have been with us since basically day one and uh, you've provided your products for essentially every car that we've built which I think you might be one of our longest standing partners so oh, dude hell yeah <laughs> so huge thank you to you um, you know when we couldn't afford to buy nuts and bolts to build these cars you were right there you know with a sack of bolts saying, here, bro, <laughs> go, go build that shit because it's rad. For and sure. And we want to be behind it. So Yeah. Um, Thank you, man. The uh, the uh, support is unending from the Downstar team. We appreciate that. Hell yeah, dude. I love it, man. I just love being part of all these builds. And... Dude, the R32 we're building right now, I swear to God, every nut and bolt really? on the car is Downstar. I love it, dude. Like, Hell yeah. Without, without these products, the car would just be on like stock bolts and... Nobody likes that. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. And my uh, a lot of my motivation to it was, you know, at first you're planting seeds, but yep. I've planted seeds in a lot of places and a lot of places with big exposure like you have and they're, they're business relationships. Yeah. But like, I always say that you're probably a ha- handful of guys in this industry that are real genuine person oh thank you and um i mean we didn't even really talk about this much but the debut of the freak was in the downstar booth hell yeah for the honda fest i wouldn't have had it any other way bro and that was so (laughs) huge for me and and you called me and offered the car to me and that's that's so dope of you dude because other people would have not done that at all and i know that that they wouldn't have done that oh as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, you were one of the people that was instrumental in me even like taking on that project. You telling me, yeah, bro, I think it's a great idea. That's all you had to say. Yeah. And so for me, like that, that sticks. And, uh, you know, Ryan was one of the other ones as well. And John, but, uh, one of you three guys was getting that car 
of the first Thank public you, debut. And, you know, I could have just as easily had a throttle booth at that event. For but sure. That that doesn't achieve what, what we've built, right? Yeah. So to allow you to use it as a marketing tool and for me to just give you the gesture of thank you and here this yeah. is what i built and i want you to promote it and use it as a tool for your business that that to me is like you know everything going full circle and that's how it should be as it should be bro like the way that you look at things is is like an og mm. looks at it and i feel our community's lacking on ogs and that's what we need and we need to give people like you their flowers so thanks bro thank you mickey i appreciate bro. everything man i love doing these talks so we're gonna have to do one again hell yeah <laughs> dude hopefully less than a thousand days from now <laughs> yeah i think we can all right mickey so before we get out of here where can people find you and throttle at yeah so throttle's easy it's uh, at throttle t-h-r-o-t-l on instagram and uh tiktok throttle youtube channel you'll find that right away start typing it in it'll come up um if you don't subscribe to the channel, please do. We're trying to get to 2 million as soon as Hell we yeah, can. Let's make it happen, guys. <laughs> so hit that subscribe button if you head over there. Uh, and then my personal Instagram is Mickey Andrade. Um, and we'll tag it all below. Uh, so 2 million, are you going to have a party? You know, I hope so. We, we hit a million, and I think we talked about having a party, and I think we just ordered pizza. Mm. It's kind of lame. Yeah, I think that this needs to be like, an event yeah we should have uh you know even if it's just like a, a car event or or hell let's just throw a bash whatever dude. <laughs> why not you know two million is a big deal man. that's like, huge dude when you see the the numbers just creep as slow as they creep like you you get these milestones in your head and you're like man it's never gonna happen yeah. and it takes forever and ever for it to get there but i think that's why it's so important to celebrate it for we, sure. we didn't hard do, work, we didn't do a good enough job at a million um i think we partied harder at a hundred thousand really <laughs> yeah so at um 1.8 you guys already got to start planning dude we got this plan ready you got to rent a hall yeah. we got to get some music performers we'll have oh, fucking yeah. skateboarding we'll have cars we'll have everything we'll have a clown someone on stilts fire breathing fire i could just picture it all right yeah. now dude yeah, and then you're the, gonna be the party planner i'll plan to do an ice <laughs> sculpture somebody's sculpting it right there and then i'm just pouring oh, Let's i do got it. it i got it in my head already right. i got i'll you. start getting the budget together <laughs> i got a homie so you got any unicorns available <laughs> I, i'll find i'll find a horse with a hat on dude <laughs> nice mickey thank you for the drive dude You're welcome thank you for coming thank you for your time i appreciate you doing thank you for your friendship brother likewise and thank you guys for listening man two and a half hours in i know you could have did a lot of other things with your time that were a waste and really boring so thanks for spending <laughs> it with us downtime with downtime we out peace